Hello, it is Let's Get Hot Super Boost Thursday Night Football Thursday, December 16th, 2021. Massive show today. Chuck Pagano joins us to coach us up a little bit on everything happening around the NFL world. A lot, by the way, especially in the coaching department, Urban Meyer. Michael Lombardi stops by. Ian Rappaport stops by. Charles Barkley stops by. The boys are on fire. AJ is as well. We can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your day here today. If you like the show by the end of it, please be a friend. Tell a friend. If not, just act like it never, ever happened. Let's get to it. Massive Thursday. Huge. Not just because the Super Boost is about to go back to to back. Back to to back. back. For the first time in like three months, you know, Patrick Mahomes to throw a touchdown in the first half and in the second half. Go ahead and lock that in. They've already flipped the switch. The Chiefs are pissed. They lost to the Chargers. The offense is back. Everybody on that team was scoring touchdowns except for the people we all bet on for any time touchdown scores. Let's assume Patty Mahomes now... Jackson Mahomes Ooh. is back in the news, you know, uh, doing a little right. drama, maybe a little distraction from Patrick Mahomes. But Patrick Mahomes is going to do Patrick Mahomes shit tonight because this is December football. What did they do last week? They beat the brakes off of the Raiders. They showed up on not if the defense has been there, but the offense started looking like the offense again. Andy Reid and the boys were looking very dynamic. There was a lot of glitz and glamour to the offense again. People were flying around. Tyreek Hill with the little drag route. I'm faster than everybody on the field is happening. Travis Kelsey, they're going to... Hey, let's get hot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, on, okay. Let's get hot. Let's go for three. You know, let's have this Saturday maybe or Sunday Ooh. because we've got a big weekend being the third uh-huh. Super Boost to hit after tonight's game. And we have a lot to talk about when it comes to this game and the NFL as a whole whenever it comes to betting and scores and everything like that because COVID is still running rampant. And although yesterday we thought there was a chance uh, uh, a chance at the league meetings in Texas, by the way, we, uh-huh. we said, is it in New York or L.A.? Uh-huh. And we're all in New York. It has to be. Yeah, look Jerry's house. Look at that building. It's in it's in New York. It was not in New York. It's wow. down in uh, Irving, Texas, which I'm not sure where that is. No, that's news to me. I assume just that's, right next to Jerry Dallas, World. right? Well, Dallas is what Fort Worth, right? As well, what? Yeah, uh, what? Why? Yeah. And then Arlington's right in the middle of those two. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. So I don't know where Irving, Texas is. I know they got a big fucking hotel, though, because Ian Rappaport called us yesterday from it, FaceTiming from it, and he showed the hallway where all the conference rooms were, where the NFL was meeting, the owners were meeting, the medical community was meeting, the NFLPA was meeting, and it was huge. It was in Irving, Texas. Classic. Where there was a little bit of optimism that maybe the COVID protocols that are taking out a lot of star players right now mm. on a lot of teams. It's going to be up over 100 probably in the next couple of weeks and the amount of people that are going to be out, whether it includes coaches and players and maybe staff, as this... Omicron variant continues to run through. We thought there was a chance yesterday at the league meetings that the NFL would make a little bit of an alter to the COVID protocols. And we thought there was going to be a little bit of a chance that maybe if they're asymptomatic and fully vaccinated, they don't have to test anymore. And if you don't test anymore, guess what? You don't. You don't know if you have COVID. Nope. And then you, if you don't know if you have COVID, you're not out until you pass the test anymore we thought that was going to maybe happen then we as we were talking about in real time because we didn't know this was even on the table for conversation until yesterday morning when we woke up and it was slaughtered for a 20-minute convo that Ian Rappaport said like hey this is a pretty big one that could potentially happen uh the NFLPA can't let that happen nope no just on everything that they and I'm not saying they don't genuinely feel this way okay I'm not saying they don't genuinely feel this way but 
They have to grandstand on players' health. They've used it as their entire negotiating tactic for everything. So there's no way that they could alter the COVID protocols at all to lighten them to potentially make the world a much more dangerous place for the players. That's right. So as we came to that conclusion, it was like, oh, there's no way that's going to happen. Although we feel like if the NFL was to do it, they wouldn't be the only league that would do it. And businesses all around the world would do it. Other leagues would do it. The NFL would become an example and a monumental decision and a paramount decision in the history of our earth for the, you know, rollout of the post-COVID life. So maybe that's also why the NFL didn't decide to do it. Maybe right. they, maybe they <laughs> said, hey, we don't want to be the ones to open the door. Whatever the case, we're going to have to deal with COVID going forward in the NFL. It's going to happen to big-name players, especially as Omicron runs through this holiday gathering. But that is not whatever. I mean, we just talked for five minutes right there Yeah. about, you know, some big-time conversations in the NFL today, and mm-hmm. we haven't even dove into what I assume a lot of people are meandering their way to the street <laughs> sure. today for. Sure. You know, in the table that was formerly known as the toxic table, a hilarious duo of humans that I get a chance to talk into microphones with on a daily basis are the kings of the castle in the NFL right now. Right. At Boston Connor, who loves the Patriots. Mm-hmm. He's first in the AFC, obviously. Congrats to the Pats. Oh, thank you, Pat. Looking forward to Saturday. And uh, his tag team partner over there at that table is Ty Schmidt, an actual owner of the Green Bay Packers, first in the NFC after week one in the offseason. Nobody could have thought that you would be here. Congrats to you. Thank you very much, Pat. I appreciate that. And Tom Diggs is here, one half of the Hammer COVID Cowboys who battle through this entire crazy season and give out winning bets, not only in the NFL, but in the NBA, the NHL, soccer, everything that you can possibly bet on. You guys dive into the sports book and find the best bets possible and have somehow been on a winning streak for like nine months. Yeah, incredible. Incredible stuff. I really appreciate what you guys have done. And life is good for Tom Diggs, right? Sure. Life is obviously good for Boston Connor. Incredible. Ty, life's good for you. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of people, even though the world is in a place that you'll talk about forever as being an absolute nightmare, couldn't fucking go anywhere and do anything. Mm. I think now as we're rolling out and we're starting to experience life again, I think people are starting to enjoy the, you know, the, the smaller things. Mm-hmm. The things that were maybe taken for granted at one time mm-hmm. are now being like, you know, like getting out and seeing people look at just lights, like Christmas lights right now. Like, I, back in the day, I would be like, all right, get the fuck out of the way. Okay, let's take a picture. All right, let's keep it moving. Now it's like, oh, man, this is cool. Like seeing people enjoy a moment, you know? I think we're, we're getting to a point where uh, maybe our morale, and maybe it's just because I'm a stooge and I, uh, you know, I'm very incredibly lucky in everything that I've basically attempted in my life, but I think there's a lot better morale in the world than it was maybe like a year ago or six months ago. Sure. That is not the case in Jacksonville. No, oh, no, 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 no. That no. is not the case in That's Jacksonville. Well, I think maybe there is a sense of relief and maybe excitement oh, yeah. happening around a locker room in Duval County. Jacksonville Jaguars, I'd assume there are some players and coaches and many other people within the building that are excited for the news that came in the early morning hours out of nowhere going into week 15 of the NFL season. Rookie head coach Urban Meyer officially fired by shotgun. It's like 1 a.m. I think. Yeah, 1 a.m. in the morning. I woke up this morning, had no idea what to expect, was excited to get on the internet and see, hey, 
what happened? You know, Austin Reeves, what a fucking baller this yes. guy yeah. is. Just a dagger. He was playing, by the way, throughout the entire evening against Dallas. And I looked into basketball a little bit last night and over the last weekend because it's almost basketball season. And Charles Barkley's on in like five minutes. Holy okay, shit, Charles. So, I'm looking at so seeing Austin Reeves' story and him balling, you know, and him being called light skin was one, maybe my favorite thing of the entire video. I love that. That is what a locker room is supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun, accepting of everybody. And I love seeing that moment for him. I was like, oh, go for Austin Reeves. Yeah. But I couldn't help that the internet, as soon as I just moved the one scroll, mm-hmm. it was the same thing. Oh, yeah. Basically, every yeah. single time. Sad Urban. Urban Meyer, gone from the Jacksonville Jaguars overnight. And I mean, we had a moment of silence for him, I believe, on Monday. Mm-hmm. And we also did a little memorial. Mim. Yeah, that's right. Memorium? In memoriam, yeah. Yeah, we did an in memoriam mm-hmm. yep. during our memorial. Of his time as a Jacksonville Jaguar head coach, we gave an immemorial. And whenever you run back through the year that was for Urban Meyer in the NFL, there ain't much good, man. No. There is a lot of bad. It's almost as if he has laid the blueprint on how, if you'd like to get out of a job, yeah. mm-hmm. here is a very easy way. Now, I, I'm not saying that's what he did. I don't think he sought out to be the author of that book that he wrote here. But I do believe it has all the pieces of absolute clusterfuck, absolute shit show, absolute failure. And I think... Whenever you heard some people speak, like NFL coaches and NFL players that have been around a long time, and they had seen the college coach go into the NFL, there was some optimism amongst those people that Urban would fail, okay? Anytime there was a job open in the NFL and Urban Meyer was on TV talking on Saturday, doing a good job. Oh, yeah. Doing a good job with his resume. Anytime an NFL job or a college job came up, it was like, oh, Urban Meyer maybe is the guy. And there was a lot of NFL coaches that did not get opportunities to become head coaches, have been assistants for a long time, who thought, who says this fucking guy is going to be good in the men's league? You know, who says that this guy's going to do A lot of people not happy that Urban got an opportunity to do a job in the NFL. There's only 32 of them. No matter where you go, if it's Jacksonville, if you can turn that place around, the Jacksonville community will be the most loyal, diehard Jaguar fans. If you win, you're going to go there, and it's a head coaching job you're going to do. So Urban Meyer getting a job over a lot of people. Oh, piss people off. Yeah, oh, yeah. Behind the scenes. Now fans and people from Ohio State who I have immense respect for. Hey, oh, wait. Oh! Immense respect for the Ohioans. Love right. the Buckeyes. Okay, I absolutely love them. They all, Urban's going. Hey. He'll, he'll win down there. Urban knows football. He'll win down there. And everybody basically that was in the media that potentially was friends with Urban or anything oh, like it, been around Urban, hey, Urban's going to be a good football. He's going to set his culture in there. He's going to turn this around. Urban goes down there talking about how he's going to fix the NFL, by the way. Oh, yeah. Remember, he didn't like the way businesses yeah. and, and the contracts yeah. were handled. Urban's going in there. He's fixing the NFL, obviously. This needs to be changed. And everybody in the NFL is like, hey, Urban, welcome to the fucking league, dude. Yeah. All right, this isn't how the whole thing goes. And then after one embarrassment happens after another, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, leaks and this and that and Chop House. Of course. And, you know, not flying. By the way, the Chop House gets, the Chop House takes all the attention of the weekend, you know, because yeah. the finger gun thing. Right. Naturally. He didn't fly home with his team yeah, yeah. after a loss. He's a head coach of a football team in the NFL with a bunch of grown men. You don't think they all want to fly after Thursday yeah. back to their fucking homes? Right. You know, like, oh, the head coach, though, 
The only one who basically has to be like, uh, I'll go down with the ship. You know, like it's like the captain of, like, hey, I'm the head coach. I'm going to lead this, I'm going to guide this football team. You know, after a loss, didn't fly back home. All the attention goes to Sunday at the Chop House. Right. Or Saturday at the Chop House, whichever sure. day it was after a long golf outing. Uh-huh. And okay. he shouldn't have went to the dance floor. I mean, self-admitted. No. Sure. Yeah. I was having steaks. Yeah. I was having steaks. Seeing the grandbabies, you know, just like I told you guys I was mm-hmm. going to do. And then I, I made my way to the dance floor. And once you get on that Chop House dance floor, I'll tell you what, the, the, the music gets you. Oh, yeah. hey. And I thought about the thoughts for a while. Mm-hmm. And then she came over and, you know, everything just kind of happened there. I mean, it is. He's a fucking ball coach, though, so he can do what he wants. Yeah, exactly. I'm a head ball coach. And then he flies back to Jacksonville after that whole situation. He erupts over the Internet. And we do not, listen, not cool for the family that that happened. But we didn't make those decisions. Nope. Right? Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't make those decisions. And think that there was nothing that could potentially bad happen while making that decision. Zero respect for anything or even the job that he holds. Okay? So then he flies back to Jacksonville. And uh, he tells the boys, you know, hey, uh, you know, it didn't happen, basically. Nope. Yeah. Like, what happened wasn't this. It, it was there, but I didn't do it on purpose. Didn't tell the group of adults that are getting paid, you know, the same amount or not all of them, but the same amount or more than him in the been around football a long time, have experienced their own lives, have their own families, have their own decisions to make in the offseason and shit like that. He, he lies to them. So then all of a sudden, he's, there are stories of him getting laughed out of meetings. Yeah. Yep. Getting laughed at him. As soon as you hear that a team is laughing at a dude, it's going to be tough for that guy to get back up there and be like, hey, this is what we need to do. All right, three things. Okay, pal, fuck off there. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, now we're learning upon losing and losing and losing and losing and nothing looking very good and a bunch of coaches leaving and his staff not being able to be able to do what they're doing in the team and Trevor Lawrence, what's going to happen with him? We feel bad for him. He'll get a new team, hopefully a uh, new whole staff and that whole thing will turn around. Maybe same staff, whatever the case, but now he kicked a kicker? Come on. Oh Irving. my God. Five out of 10. Kicked yeah. him in the hamstring. Five out yeah, of 10. that's strong. Five out of 10. So, so my big thing is, and we get a chance to talk to an absolute icon right now in the sports world about this, and it was kind of a long build-up to get to this point because I think we had to for the Urban Meyer situation. Like, if Urban Meyer's kicking you and it's like, hey, I want to fight you, like, I think you have to stand up in that moment. Like, if he's calling Lambeau kicker and not calling him by his name, and I understand that you're a kicker, and our position, punter, kicker, everything, is much less important to the entire team than every other. I understand that. But as a human and as an adult, as the fourth highest a highest accuracy percentage kicker in the history of the NFL, Josh Lambeau. At some point, whenever this dude keeps calling you kicker, 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 you got to say, hey, my name's fucking Josh, all mm-hmm. right? And I'm the fourth highest accuracy in the history of the fucking NFL. I can't wait to be on your goddamn team. Like, at some point, you have to say that. So all these stories are coming out. He never called me by the name. He kicked him. It was like, I understand. should never do that. That is disgusting. Okay, I'm happy he came out and told the story. But also, at some point, you got to stand up to yourself and say, hey, fucking asshole. You yeah. Know? yeah. That's what I think personally. But I'm happy everything got exposed, I guess. And we're learning more and more about the failure that was Urban Meyer Jacksonville. <laughs> now out of an attic in Ohio. Excited to hear his thoughts on the entire assault of an employee yeah. by Urban Meyer on Josh Lambeau. Ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champion, college football national champion, A.J. Hawk. A.J., your thoughts What's up, on... guys? Anything happen overnight? Hey, your thoughts on Urban Meyer as a coach? Uh, Columbus... I mean, obviously, he's getting railroaded. We can see that, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how long Thank did you, you plan on saying that? How long... I, honestly, just right now, because I, I was sitting here watching you guys, yeah. and, yeah, I... Who knows? I mean, hey... Did we say like we saw this coming? I guess it's a little quicker than we thought, maybe. Well, you know, we did have the in memoriam on Monday for him, where we all had a moment of silence, and maybe we should have another one now that it is 
official. Let's have a moment of silence, please, for the passing Ooh. of an era mm. that was gone much quicker than expected, but definitely expected to be gone at some point. <laughs> Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars, please. He and... I'll go whenever the mood is. Serious stuff, man. There's serious stuff here. Well, you need to fucking act that way then, maybe, huh? All right, you can shape up. You dial it in. Tighten up, dude. You tighten up. It started years and years ago at a Big Ten conference in Chicago, Illinois. Mm. Shad Khan loves the Illinois. Hell yeah. And Urban Meyer, obviously, God of Big Ten. That's right. Shad Khan asked Urban Meyer for his advice in the football world because the Jacksonville Jaguars under Shad Khan stunk. Shad Khan said, Urban, I put two pools in the fucking stadium. I created bumpers. We got a good team, a good environment, good stadium, but we just stink every single year. And Urban said, uh, I know a guy. Years and years later, when Shad Khan was looking to hire a new head coach after 25% of the allegations and complaints from players to the NFLPA about the building that they're in came from the Jacksonville Jaguars in one year <laughs> under Tom Coughlin's mm. leadership. I hate this place. This place stinks, all the players were saying. <laughs> mm -hmm. Had to get a new head coach. Shad was going to hire a big name, a splash name, and he asked Urban, who should it be? And Urban said, fucking me. Ooh, handy in those polls. Urban was the man. Urban heard about the pools and said, yeah, it should be me. I'm dive in. <laughs> if you didn't have pools in that stadium, maybe somebody else. But now that I think about it, fucking me. And what I want you to do is I want you to build 75 buildings around yeah, our stadium. Ooh, smart. I want you to invest $2 billion. I want you to build a whole new indoor facility. I want a place to look like Jerry Jones's fucking star. Shad Khan said, whatever, dude. Let's just win. I trust you. You're the guy that I was going to for advice for years and years. If you say build up an entire city within the city, within the county of Duval, I'll do it if we're going to win. Right away. You're going to try hard for us, right, Urban? I'll, I'll give it all God. Always. We're using the word elite a lot around here. I know your family actually owns a company that has the word elite in it, and it is being put over to the match right now. But we're going to live on the edge. We're going to change the football. We're going to change the game. Edge. And then since that moment of getting hired, Urban Meyer just fucking stunk at his job. Mm -hmm. One scandal led to one more embarrassment, which led to another situation that was terrible for the entire Columbus successful community around there, mm -hmm. let alone his family when Jeff Hardy finger guns made their way into the chop house dance floor. People are calling it a lap dance. That was, was a little bit more a lap dance. Mm -hmm. statue. Then he lied to the boys, mm -hmm. got laughed out of the meeting rooms, told them that we got three things we need to do. We need to do this, this, and this. And the entire team said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> now, now we are learning. How is this a moment of silence? It's an immemorial. Oh, my oh, bad. Yeah, you're ruining it. Yeah, it is eulogy as well. This is talking about his epitaph, dude. You ever heard of it? Fucking the dash? You ever heard of the dash, dude? That's what I'm trying to talk about right now. You know, because he was hired at this date. He was fired last night, middle mm -hmm. of the night. I'm talking about what happened right here, the dash. Yeah. This is what it's all about. That's right. It's all about the dash. Mm -hmm. A lot of L's. A couple dubs. Mm -hmm. And 
one kicker ground the world to a kicker's hamstring. Can't do that. Now he is out and it is over. Moment of silence, in memoriam, eulogy. Complete. Rest in chaos. Urban Meyer, Jacksonville Jaguars. Miss you, Urban. That was beautiful. Thank you. Did well I miss done. anything? Well done. No. The, the coaches. Down his coaches. They fought. Oh, you're stinks. fucking losers. Yeah, yeah, let's go back in. <laughs> and bashing the laptop yeah. in AEW, too. Yeah. Saying, I, I better coaches fucking Giving Vrabel that fucking dead fish handshake. Yeah. yeah, true. Add all those things to it before we collapse. Because that is a part of the dash as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't be honoring the entirety of the dash if we did not reference the times where he absolutely punked his fucking coaches. Yeah. That's right. Tried to weasel Tim Tebow into the starting tight end position. Losers. Bottom of house right next to him. <laughs> Iowa strength coach. Oh, oh boy. Didn't even think about that. Six other coaches too. Oh, yeah. Tough start. All right. Rest in chaos, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they did. Subdued clapping. I missed the case. Well, that's because it's, it's a, a it's, yeah. It's uh, yeah, in memoriam. It's a, it's a bummer. Right. When in Rome, dude. When doing something like such, you have to do that. Did we miss anything, AJ? Did we miss anything? Like, how about him brutally kicking a kicker in the hamstring? God damn it! Have we missed yeah. anything? Five out of ten. Yeah, back in August. You're right. What does that mean? You think you know? And, and this is you know, kicker. I like Lambo. I've never really hung out with him, but I've met him. He's incredibly talented at his kicking position. He was an MLS goalkeeper. This guy was drafted in the MLS. Incredibly talented soccer player, goalie, who made the transition to the NFL very well. Fourth highest accuracy in the history of the NFL. Everything like that. Plays good guitar, I think. he's uh, Really? Yeah, he's a very talented guy. It didn't get cut, though. It didn't get cut until weeks after the... The alleged kick of the hamstring because he'd been missing kicks and extra points, though, right? Yes, I believe. And he even admitted that he didn't get cut for, for that. But you have to assume that whenever you just a five out of ten, dude. Yeah. Five out of ten. He did report it, though. Did you guys talk about how he reported to his agent? His agent called the Jags. The Jags said, oh, okay, let's have like a counseling session. And Lambo, I think, said something about I don't. I'm not really aware of that. I don't remember that being the case. Okay, so the Jaguars are saying, "Hey, we heard about this. We tried to uh, do everything possible to make the situation be much better." After acknowledging it, Lambo say never heard of it. Let's see if there's any more information from behind the scenes that we may have missed here. Is a five out of ten like, "Hey, I want to fight you"? And if a dude was calling me kicker or punter, then kicking me, and he had a higher percentage than a lot of people. I, if I had the ninth highest. 10th highest, 11th highest, 15th highest, and I'd been around for a long... Nah, 10th highest, 9th highest, yeah. top 10. If I had top 10. <laughs> and a guy a guy was calling, not calling me by my name and kicking me. Like At some point, right, I assume he said, like, hey, my name's Josh, fuck off, or is that just how Urban does his thing, you think, AJ? I mean, I would assume people have, have stood up like that and, and stood up for themselves. Now, in this situation, I don't know. I, Urban hasn't spoke on it, but don't you think Urban will say, like, I... I was playfully kicking him. I was almost like joking around. Like, hey, man, make your kicks. Like, I was just trying to get him going. Yeah, Urban's probably – Urban's side of this is I was actually trying to become better friends with this guy. Yeah. Hey, hey, dipshit, yeah, make probably. your fucking kicks. Yeah, like, motivate that's, him. Yeah. That's probably how, you know, like an Ohioan potentially <laughs> would think about this. Whole thing. Joining us now, who might have a little bit more behind-the-scenes information, he joined us yesterday because he was in a hotel in Texas. Okay. Believe. Right. Uh, I think he's still currently maybe there. I don't know if he's back at home in New Jersey. Insider for the NFL and NFL.com and – Host of the weekly roundup with rap sheet, wrap up, 
with Rap Sheet and friends, us being the friends. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian Rap. Oh, you're back home. You're back home. Yeah, back home. Thank God. No delays. Everything went well with the flight. Somebody hates Texas. Oh, really? Well, congratulations on that, especially on the holiday travel. You know, hope everything. Not um, not the same situation to my esteemed colleague Tom Pelissero, whose flight was canceled yesterday and had to stay in Dallas and flew out today. Uh, Okay, sound a little muffled. We're gonna call you back. Hold on one second. This has been happening, by the way. Is it our internet? You think? Uh, Bill Gates. Probably Bill Gates. Figured Pelissero would just travel through the internet wires, right? Yeah, why would he even yeah, think like about Wreck-It commercial Ralph. travel when yeah. you're a Lincoln just go right through Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah, just like that. Just travel from round hey, to round. Hey, quit going back to Urban, though, Pat. You know if he was winning games, yeah. this doesn't matter. None of this matters. Yeah, none of this matters. He's not getting asked about any sources and leaks. And by the way, him asking his coaches if they've ever won before is portrayed in a much different narrative. Like, as opposed to it being like him calling out the losers, he was actually saying, like, hey, we're all in this together. None of us have really won. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all trying to get going. But since they're losing and they stink, and it appears as if he lost the entire culture, and now he's kicking people. I I mean, it's a much different narrative. You're 100% right, though. Winning cures everything. Speaking of winning, that's all this guy does. (laughs) Ian Rappaport joined. Joins yeah. us again. Winner. I ditched, uh, ditched the AirPods. Hopefully, we're oh, still good. Smart. Sometimes the um, speaker on the AirPods isn't as great. Not your fault. Probably ours. And uh, definitely Tim Cook's because he could have made it much better. He chose not to. Rappaport, let's talk about the kick to the uh, hamstring heard around the world in August from Urban Meyer to Josh Lambeau. A portion of the internet is saying that Shad Khan was waiting for a reason for cause to fire Urban Meyer. All the other stuff he wasn't able to do such a thing, even though there were maybe uh, not great looks for the franchise and maybe the locker room has turned against him and he lost everything and the vision isn't the same. This is one that for cause he could do. Is that what happened, do you think? Are those people right that are saying that? Or is this just an accumulation of fuckery? Yeah, I mean, my understanding is the conversations started before the Josh Lambeau story came to light. Now, it got released yesterday at like four or something like that, but the Jaguars knew about it earlier in the day, but they had had conversations about potentially moving on uh, from Urban Meyer over the weekend. So, like, it wasn't the thing that made it happen. It, it definitely wasn't something with, like, okay, well, now that this has come up, we can move on from him. They were talking about it before. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it hastened it or if it made it happen Hastened. yesterday. Um but I would say um, if they didn't fire him yesterday, if they didn't fire him last night, more of these things were going to happen. We were going to have more Urban Myron stories every day, every week, whatever it is, until something happened. I mean, that's one reason why it was probably a smart move for the organization to go, this guy can't lead us anymore. We are done. We are moving on. Um, I do not know for sure right now if they fired him for cause, but I believe they would have had a case in October when he didn't fly home with the team, and then the viral video of him with his non-wife came out as well. So For I don't detrimental? Think that would that have been conduct detrimental then? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to – yes, um, it would be hard to lead if you leave your team and then go dance with a person who's not your wife. Now, we agree, but thing. like contracts and with like $30 million on the line, there has to be some real shit, right? That's why everybody at the first time was like, could this be considered conduct detrimental? Right. Could conduct detrimental mm-hmm. offset like a $30, $40 million contract. I think that was- Right, and, and you're going to have a fight regardless uh, and probably a settlement regardless. Um, but now, I mean, there's no doubt that now if they do fire them for a cause, their case is stronger. Got it. 
Ian, uh, Josh Lambeau, I guess, said that he reported this incident to his agent. His agent contacted the Jags. The Jags said, like, try to have some kind of counseling session. Is this, like, to me, that was surprising to hear a player report something like that. Have you, like, in the past of covering the league, does this happen very often? You know, not not really. Um, the What does happen a little bit is when, like, let's say a coach is going too hard at OTAs or gets his guys to go too hard at OTAs or guys get injured or if there's a practice – like the way that they are running practice is not right. Your player, player rep would report it, probably. Yes, that you would do that. Go to your own agent and have him talk to the team about being kicked in the hamstring. Honestly, I haven't heard that. That was a new one for me. Now I will also say this: the wisdom of a coach kicking a kicker in the hamstring <laughs> is mind-boggling. Like. You know how valuable that stuff is, Pat. Like, why, why would you mess with, like, punch the guy in the chest or something? Like, do, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. stay away from your kicker's well, leg. I also, he was lunging, though, that Hammy's right there to kick I him. I mean, it's a good hard. target. He's not going to miss. It was big there. But, like, my big thing is it goes all the way, like, respect, right? It feels like Urban Meyer had no respect for a lot of things. His position, the league, his players, but also. His assistants. Like, his assistants. Like, I don't think he had any respect mm. for anybody, which could potentially happen if you have a God complex where you are the gatekeeper for people's entire futures for so long and have had a lot of success for that like a college coach has, right? And you control every single minute of people's days, which is why a lot of people say it's hard for college coaches to go to the NFL. I mean, there's a long list of college coaches that have tried to go to the NFL who potentially are similar to the style of the way Saban maybe runs an operation, and they have all failed, basically. Every single one of them have basically failed because you're talking about adults and grown men and a lot of money, and everybody has a football IQ. I just, I don't know if he had any respect for, like him just calling Lambo kicker and the punter punter. And like, there's no respect, but at some point also, somebody's got to say like, hey, Urban, fuck off. You know, did that ever happen? A teammate would stand up, don't you think, Pat? Like, Somebody. Usually a teammate would say, hey, man, this is not right. Like, we're all men here. You can't do that. Has that not happened? Has that not happened? Did that happen this year or no? It it sounded like on some level there were players sort of confiding in each other and getting together and kind of like being sounding boards. Like the Marvin Jones situation, for one, it sounded like, among the people who kind of brought him back to the fray were his teammates. But I didn't get the sense it was like players sitting down with Urban and saying, like, you can't treat us like this. Um, but I want to go back to something you said before. Like, these college coaches, like, that is not a normal environment. That's like a cocoon. There's not a lot of access from the outside world. You are the king, so you run everything, which is why, of course, these college guys come to the NFL and they want to run everything because that has been the way it's been. And... You know, now there's the transfer portal, which, you know, some of these controlling coaches think is the worst thing ever. All it really does is give a player right, a right to be like, I would prefer to be somewhere else. If Urban Meyer mistreated players at Ohio State, where could they have gone? Like, and, 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 you know, would a coach have called him and he would have said, you don't want that guy. He doesn't, he can't take. He can't take coaching. coaching. Yeah, he can't take coaching. It's always a narrative, especially whenever you are the king and the god in that whole thing. And I don't know if this will change Urban. I don't know what Urban does in the future, but his legacy is def. I mean, no, no offense, and uh, I don't really care, you know, because I, like college football, I'm a fan of. I'd like to see West Virginia do well, and I'll watch the big games and everything. I don't follow the day to day, so you know, whenever I was doing the the game day run there. 
you know, alongside Herbie and everything like that. And he took that shot at me. You know, he like took a shot at me basically and as a representative of College Game Day. When I was even, I was losing money going on that show. I wasn't even like a part of that show. Wait, who took a shot at you? Urban did. It was like a subtle, sh- he said, you know, because the ratings were coming out for their big noon kickoff. It was the same year they were going and Game Day's ratings were going up. And I don't know, there was an entire ratings battle happening for big noon kickoff. I remember this. Okay. Yeah, and Urban told somebody like, yeah, people actually like football talk and not jumping off of boats into lakes or whatever, this whole thing. And it was like, why is this fucking guy talking about me right now okay and there wasn't even a thought in my head not to respond okay there wasn't even like a i am responding to this situation it's on the internet like this is good internet i literally just got done talking to charles barkley about this like as a punter i can't talk shit on a lot of people but urban meyer i don't fucking give a shit about if you're gonna say something to me i'm gonna talk shit back so i like that i like that moment then i realized like oh this dude's a god like all of ohio started coming at me. TV executives started texting me like from multiple networks that were like, hey, watch what you're saying about Urban Meyer. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about Urban Meyer. What are we even talking about? But I did build up a massive amount of respect for the following that he had garnered, right? Because he won at Utah, won at Florida, won at Ohio State. Now every ending was obviously a major controversy and he's Stayed right on, right on cue here with every time he leaves a place. But I built up a respect for how many people like got his back. And even though I didn't know him, I was like, okay, a lot of people are telling me like, hey, Urban, like, don't, like, there's no reason Urban didn't mean that or whatever. And then you watch this whole thing unfold in Jacksonville. It's like, this guy fucking stinks. Yeah, huh? like, yeah. This guy stinks. But if you win games, none of it matters. Nothing matters if you win games in the football world. And I think we all understand that. Yes, but I. In college football, you can be a great recruiter, and that that's literally all you do. And he is a – when he is on, and he's in a living room or whatever, he is a charismatic person. And I could see there were moments in Jacksonville where he was kind of that charismatic guy, and you're like, okay, like this is a good leader. But, but it wasn't leadership. It was salesmanship, oh, right? And, and the actual oh, leadership oh. was really lacking. And, you know, you're right. Like in college football – he is considered a god by a lot of people and a lot and he brought yes. programs to really high heights. But isn't that what enabled him to think that this behavior was okay? Like isn't that more of the problem than just how he treated a couple like how many other people in college football did he treat like this? But it was okay because if they attacked Urban Meyer, they get people to go, Whoa, you better be careful. That is Urban Meyer. You better be careful. Like I could see how all of this very easily played out over the last, like, 20 years. Yeah, a monster was built, it seems like, behind the scenes. But if he would have won, which is going to be a tall task in Jacksonville, remember everybody was saying, hey, Urban don't used to losing. It's like, well, you think a lot of motherfuckers that make it to the NFL are used to losing, dude? What are we even – like, I, 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 I don't I, – I don't fully understand, like, that whole thought. But it ended up being a catastrophe. Who knows what's going to happen next? And I'm sure we won't remember this in six months, seven months from now, right? Yeah. No, yeah, sure. No, yeah, definitely not. Okay, let's move to uh, other stories. COVID protocol. There was no – changes yesterday huh other than that you can still activate two players is that because the nflpa was never going to allow the uh the covid protocol to be lightened throughout the season or is that something the nfl didn't even broach uh it is still being discussed so the nfl and the nflpa today now are still discussing what changes to make i would expect some change today i thought it would be yesterday but it has not happened and there's you know, there's some reasons why it hasn't happened. The NFLPA came out yesterday and essentially said the leadership in their 
on their Twitter feed said they would like daily testing. But then they reached out to some of their uh, NFLPA reps to be like, where do you guys come down? They kind of took the temperature of the reps to say like, would you like daily testing? Would you like no testing for asymptomatic, fully vaccinated people? Would you like it somewhere in between? Like kind of seemingly gauging like, what are we fighting for? And then some of those, you know, we'll see what changes they make. I mean, I feel like it's going to be today because there are games. There is a game tonight. There is games, two games on Saturday, good games, actually. Like yeah. there has to be some sort of decision on how to move forward. And it's not like the COVID lists are getting less. They're getting more. So they have to come up with something for so many people who are fully vaccinated, positive, and asymptomatic. It's a lot, right? It's like 100 people almost at this point. Go ahead, AJ. Ian, does uh, w- the Super Bowl is in L.A. this year. Does the NFL, like, are they, do they have any worry about possible protocols that could come down in L.A. that would, I don't know, somehow jeopardize the Super Bowl being there? I would, I would assume they have some kind of uh, agreement with the city that, hey, that we can't shut this thing down. Like, But if not, do they have backup sites that they have to think about? Uh, as far as I know, no discussion at all about moving anything. I mean, they haven't even moved Saturday's game, no discussion about moving Saturday's game. Um, there is, as of now, a pretty full slate of events and like parties and other festivities for Super Bowl week. Oh. Um, in L.A. County, and I do not live in L.A., but I spend some time talking to people in L.A. because a lot of my colleagues work there. And the way they explain it to me is people function pretty normally. They just wear a mask inside. And so maybe that's what it will be. Um, the craziest thing about COVID, and there's been – so many crazy things over the last two years. The craziest thing is it is impossible to predict anything that is going to happen in two months, let alone two days. Like I got to Dallas for those owners meetings Dallas. on Tuesday morning and some guys had tested positive for COVID. And when I left, COVID was the biggest story in the NFL again. It was like 24 hours. So it is very hard to predict, but it sounds like they are planning for a full slate of everything. Hey, COVID isn't just the biggest story in the NFL, by the way. I think, like, uh, if Bruce's research is accurate, uh, the New York positive rate has jumped, like, doubled or something over the last week or so, which hasn't happened since the beginning. And this is happening in the NFL. It's happening all over the place. If you're getting tested, I think more people are finding out that they have it. But allegedly, and we don't know shit about fucking this world, once again, Ian might, because Ian is a journalist educated. He's got awards behind him and shit like that. AJ and I have a fake bookcase and a fake brick wall. But I think Omicron is a sprinter. Yeah. And it's not as heavy of a, it's not as heavy handed, but how can they know what the, I mean, it's a wild time to be alive. Excited to see how everybody figures it out. The NFL will lead the way. Hopefully we hear something today and hopefully Hopefully. we don't miss out on a hundred players that are maybe asymptomatic and get, I assume Jerry and all the owners are in there saying, Hey, we're paying a lot of money to these fucking guys that aren't sick that can't play this weekend in December football. Is that how this whole thing's going, you think? Um, the accent I would have some questions with. Um, yeah. yeah. Mostly what? because it was... good. Well, I, I said Jerry and other owners, too. That could have been any owner. That didn't sound like any. one of the owners, any of them? <laughs> I mean, it was most close to Jerry, but... I, yeah, yeah, I have a... Do she with Fort Hamp? Dan Campbell speaks for her, man. She no. Oh, not anymore. She got booed out of Detroit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what about Mark Davis? Mark, Mark da- I could do a Mark Davis. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. No, but I'm not going to. Go ahead, Clyde. Come on, funny man. Come on, funny guy. Comedian. I would say this. Like, for what I am to comedy, 
I'm the opposite to impersonations. Okay, okay good self-awareness. Yeah, me as well. I do not give it a go. Ty, though, um, knocks them all out. But but I will say, like, owners, coaches, GMs, I've heard from so many of them who are just like, you know, Dr. Allen Sills called it COVID fatigue. Like, I feel like that's where we are. So many of these guys are like, there's been no on-field transmission. Why can't we play? Why can't these guys play? And the answer is they're not allowed as of now. But honestly, I don't know which way this is going to go. All right. Well, we appreciate you stopping by and keeping us informed. We appreciate the hell out of you. Uh, good luck back in your basement in New Jersey there. And uh, thank you for keeping us informed, pal. All right. Good stuff, guys. Take care. Oh, no. Good stuff by you, dude. Oh, well, thanks. Tell a joke. Hey. <laughs> All right. What's that going on? <laughs> yeah, tell a joke. He's a funny guy. Yeah, or, no, 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 tell no. a joke. Make us laugh. Are you on TV today? Or you're not on TV? Today's an off day? Yeah, off day. I, usually it's Tuesday. League meetings are still happening. Come on. There's a game night. We're in the middle of the football season. It's, it's December 16th. I'll be, watching, I'll be watching the game tonight. We're going to go out to a nice family dinner. Oh. oh. It's going to be good. we got a nice night planned. Okay, well, we appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you for stopping by. Enjoy that family dinner. Hey. Yeah, well. Should be good. Applebee's? What are you going to eat? Del Frisco's? Ooh, Applebee's. Del Frisco's, man. Applebee's Del Frisco's. Two for 20. What do I live in Times Square or something? Hey, there's that one diner that they're actually uh, arresting people out of in New York if you don't have your Vax card. So watch yourself. You go. Make sure you take your. uh, I got it. Okay, smart. No, take your card. Yeah, Yeah, make sure you take your card. I just. We in New York. I live in New York, not Jersey. We got a pass. So we just flash the phone. At Chili's? But hold on real quick. I, I had to uh, use my vaccination card in California, and it was like a, like an ID, basically. Like, I had to hand it over. There was a couple places that didn't even look at my ID. Like, they just looked at that, and they're like, okay, you're good. What's your name? Pat. All right. I'm like, I could have very... You don't, you don't watch me on YouTube? Yeah. Well, no, there's a lot of people out there that do not know who the fuck I am, especially <laughs> in those potential lobbies I was in. But, man, I used to have to really... You know, learn the ID whenever I was out there. I had to learn what my brother's uh, sign was. He's a Leo because I was asked one time with this Vax card. It's like, no, what's your first name? They don't even have tough questions anymore. I felt pretty good about it. But it was my first time using it. Who knows what the future looks like? Maybe that's what well, can- Go ahead. Hold on. I got a question for you. What was the name on your fake ID? I know you had one. It was, was my name. brother's name. Jason. Oh, what? Okay. Jay- oh, that meant season. He was smaller than me, though, so that became a problem down in Panama City. You know, uh, mm-hmm. one particular bouncer down there at... Uh, uh, sp- 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 spinners. Yep, sounds right. Uh, it's like the AJ big, knows. It was the biggest <laughs> bar down there. It was a it was a massive bar down there. Bar, the Let's bounce. figure this out. Well, I would, but anyways, I was taller than my brother. Puts X's on my hands. Okay, this is with my teammates from college that are all older than me. I was the youngest one. I had my fake ID. Fake ID has never been questioned anywhere. By the way, never been questioned anywhere. I know the social security number of them. I know his parents. I know everything he has done. It is no problem. Uh, they asked me, you know, the size thing. Take it. Put X's on my hand. He said, "You want me to get the cops over here? Cops come over." I put on a performance for who I am. I am Jason McAfee. Make the guy take the X's off my hands. Give me my card back, please. How you doing? Vaccination thing. No questions at all. Just how you doing? And I'm like, all right. I, I was honestly, I was like, how's this going to go? Because I never had to do it before. That might be life going forward. And it's Spinnakers. Yeah, the whole chat's yelling that right now. Fucking great place, dude. It was uh, electrifying. They had an outdoor patio and an indoor thing. Yeah, it was awesome. Anyways, Ian, you would never know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Ian Rappaport. Thank you. (laughs) Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills. 
or on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes, it's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> should That was, I think they're going in a different direction, so let's go back a sentence or two. Okay, okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Ha! Huh. Last a long time. Banging up, banging up, banging up. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's Boom. right. Dingers. Downtown. Bingo. Dave <laughs> Population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the yes, medication. Free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. Cool. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Bring us now is a man who would have a incredibly well-worded response to any situation like that. Mm-hmm. He's a writer, an author, a speaker, a former general manager, a coach's consultant, and advisor for the New England Patriots for some time. Oh. Two of his kids currently coach in the NFL. This man has forgot more about football <laughs> than we'll ever learn. Ladies and gentlemen, Paisan Michael Lombardi. Yeah! Yes, how are we doing today? How are things? Ooh, you got that new phone. Look at the glow. Look at you. You look amazing, Paisan. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not at some uh, place. I'm not traveling. I'm home in my home office. So life is good. Yeah. And well, we're thankful that you're joining us, especially on this day. It was a few weeks ago, maybe like four or five at this point, where you said, hey, I'm hearing that Urban's not going to last long in Jacksonville. And there, there was potential allusions toward maybe a college job, but how everything unfolded. Why? Who? Now, I don't want you to give up your sources, but was this pretty well known that this was uh, over very like weeks and weeks ago and they were just waiting for a reason, you think? Or how do you think this whole thing came to be? Well, I, I think you can't treat grown men like children, right? And I think he's been doing that since he's gotten there, whether it's been coaches, players, or staff. And his behavior towards other people has not generated the type of leadership that you need in that position. I mean, he was put in charge there to build a culture. And it's something he talks about all the time, about how to, to win bad cultures. And he did everything in the opposite. I, I go back to the Tim Tebow signing. I mean, that was self-indulgent, and he's doing a friend for a, a, a favor for a friend. I mean, it had no reason to work. I mean, you're going to develop a backup tight end at 33 years old who can't play in the kicking game, who's never played tight end before. It's all about, it was all about satisfying his own ego. And I think at the end of the day, Urban Meyer's career in Jacksonville will get summed up in three letters, E-G-O, his ego. He Ooh. wouldn't listen to anybody. 
he wouldn't he wouldn't take advice and counsel and he thought he knew what to do and this was building i mean pelicero's report was just the tip of the iceberg i mean there the players were getting frustrated with his practice the way he was treating them i mean you can't do that this is pro football you lead in pro football through intellect not through verb not through yelling at people because you have power now lombardi where do you think they go from here like what and what about the timing is were they just waiting where they could do it with cause most likely? Like, what do you think Shad Khan, his whole idea was? I know he's been reviewing this for a month and a half, it seems like, two months. Well, if he was reviewing it, it shouldn't have taken this long. I mean, you know, I, I think I, I don't think that this is a, a one-time fender bender. I think this has been a pattern of reckless driving done by Urban Meyer for seven months. And I think he had to do something. I mean, he's going to lose his franchise. I mean, what player was going to sign this offseason in Jacksonville? What player was going to go down there? Who wants to play for him? I mean, you guys both play in the league. You got you guys know players talk to one another all the time. You don't want to go down there, man. That's a bad place. You don't want to stay away. From, like that was going through the league. Players wanted out of it. I mean, respected players, guys that want to win. Marvin Jones, he wants to win. You know, and he's treating them like he's some you know some you know walk on at Ohio State. I mean, seriously, you can't do that. It's and and when it's bad, you kind of change. Khan had no choice. Now, let's put the facts in place. Khan has owned the team the last 11 years. They've had double digits losses 10 of those 11 years. So when you ask who are they going to pick, they haven't been very good at picking. They haven't been very good at the state because they keep picking, well, we need an offensive coach or we need a defense. You need a culture. Like, you need somebody to go in there and build and unite people. How? Who? Hey, Paisan, who would that be? How do you do that? That is much harder than just saying, hey, we need to build it a It is way harder than you think, but you got to get people working together. You can't have people. Bill Walsh used to say this all the time. The Civil War is the ugliest war to fight. And most football teams fight a civil war. There's, there's internal strife that creates it. You know, and, and you have to build a culture that it's us against everybody else. And we stand united. And really... All that Urban did down there was become subversive from within. Hey, the uh, the line has reacted to this. It has moved like three, four points. Yeah, it went from three to five. It five went from and a half. yeah, three to five and a half for the ja- in favor of the Jaguars. They're like, hey, fired coach, renewed spirit in Jacksonville. What do you think they do going forward? Because it's just a collection of coaches, right? That yeah. oh, there isn't one tree. What do you think Shad Khan does from this point on? And what would you expect from Jacksonville if you were to maybe gamble on them for the rest of the way? Well, I think they'll play spirited this week. I mean, look, they've got a good defensive front. They can rush the passer a little bit. I mean, they beat Buffalo 9-6 to six in kind of a, a, a quacky game. But last week, you know, they, they turned the ball over four times. And their defense hung in there fairly well against Tennessee, who's missing some pieces as well. I mean, this is one of the few lines that's moving this week, guys, that isn't COVID-related. I mean, the Washington line's up to nine points. You know, soon to be 10. I mean, these lines are going crazy because of COVID. And this is the one line that's not. And this is because I think they'll feel like they'll be at least everybody will be pulling in the same direction. And I I think that Houston, who's got some injuries, I mean, they're two linebackers, Kristen Kirksey and Kruger Hill are both on the COVID list, which really affects them. 
plus Houston's offensive line has not played very well. So this is a better matchup for Jacksonville today than it was opening day. Five and a half is a lot of points. I mean, for the Jacksonville game. That might be my super boost. (laughs) It might be. I mean, just what if they come out and just blow the doors off of the Texans? Not that that, I mean, I like the Texans franchise. They're underwater as well, and I'm sure the players are great down there, and I wish I could be in that locker room, but they got their own problems. Let's talk about the COVID thing that you're chatting about there, and you alluded to about moving lines and everything like that. You have great relationships around the league. One such that is about a guy who is literally the chess player and playing, you know, above everybody else. The greatest executive of all time, the greatest coach of all time, uh, and a man that we're learning even more about his intelligence as we watch Man in the Arena, which is fantastic every single Tuesday night of your friend uh, Tommy Brady, uh, Tom Brady's career. How does Bill Belichick? You think navigate this COVID thing different? There's a hundred guys currently on yeah. the the COVID reserve list. How do you think he's going to go through it? And do you think they make a change to the protocol? I think they're going to have to. And I think what you're seeing, what Miami did today, uh, Miami decided to uh, to to go sequester their team in a hotel. Hey, can you get out of the sun? I mean, you're, you're- <laughs> yeah, I can't see. I see that sun right there. My lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you said no. That- I got to lower that. I, I, I got to lower that. Hold on here. I got to move this. I don't understand it. <laughs> when did I get so much sun here? Uh, I have no idea. It's because you're angelic pies on. But you said that the Miami Dolphins are going to sequester in a hotel. Is that going to? How does that? That's not going to be able to be something that every team is going to be able to do. Or no, I, I, but I think that's the first step. You know, Waddle went on the list, and so I think they're concerned. Gaskins is on the list in Miami. I think if you ask me what Coach Belichick would do, I think. Every every December, he starts talking about the flu. Wash your hands, you know, make sure everybody's taking care of themselves. So I, I think that's really what we'll see more of uh, as we go forward. I mean, I don't know. This virus spreads so quickly. It's different than the flu, you know, but there's are some cases in the league now where people have the flu and they don't have COVID. You know, so it's trying to distinguish that as well. So I think you're going to see much tighter restrictions going on and and trying to eliminate as much contact with other people as possible because this can ruin your team. I mean, the Washington football team is is missing, I think, seven starters on defense if they go play Philly. And that doesn't count what they're going to miss on offense. They don't have a backup quarterback because Kyle Allen's on COVID. They signed Josh Johnson, and we know Heineke's hurt. Omnicron. Tied <laughs> AJ. Going back to the the Patriots. Now that they, you know, we people are excited. We know Boston Connors very excited. Patriots faithful oh, yeah. all are yeah. all very excited. Now, like expectations are, like, hey, Mac Jones is the next Tom Brady. This team, we've arrived. We're back. <laughs> How do you is, do? You think that changes anything now that they're not really playing the underdog anymore? No, because they're always going to be the underdog in that building because every week's a new week. So you know, look, they 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 don't even count any wins as wins. You know, it's on to the next week. But I think what they'll be reminded of is Tom Brady didn't really become Tom Brady until 06, 07. I mean, Tom Brady was good early, and, you know, they ran the ball. They played great defense. It was a combination of a lot of things. And then all of a sudden, in 07, Brady exploded with Randy Moss, and they became more of a passing team, got out of the two-back. I think you're going to see those gradual incremental steps in Mac Jones's career as he continues to play well. And as Belichick often says, that the more you do, the more you'll get to do. The better you do it every time. If you can perform well, you'll get more to do. And I think that applies to people that work for him and people that play for him. You have to move just a little bit more. You have something right on your nose. I mean, it looks like you have sunscreen on your nose. Oh, yeah. There it is. Oh, 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 no. We had it. We had it for a second there. Yeah. Bing. Bing. 
Boom. Hey, boy. Hey, guys. guys. Hey, I try. You know, I'm not caught up on this on this uh, social stuff. I mean, on this uh, mechanic technical stuff, but I'm trying. <laughs> nah, you're crushing it. And well, you just gave an incredible answer there, actually, that kind of lended us into, you know, what Belichick is like on the day to day. Because this man in the arena. Hey, I alluded to it earlier, and I, know, I assume you're watching it as well, and you are, have a lot of friends that are involved in that whole thing. It's awesome getting to see how that place operates on a day-to-day, and I assume Mac is very thankful that that's where he ended up as opposed to a lot of the other situations where rookie court, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, just yeah. to say one, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it reminds me of a story once that I was at the Senior Bowl, and I'm talking to two coaches, and there's a bunch of Patriot coaches around me, and these two other coaches – uh, that are talking and they say, you know, we I talk to Bill all the time. I kind of know what they do with the Patriots. And this one coach said, you have no effing idea what goes on inside <laughs> that building. You may talk to Bill, but unless you're in that building, you have no idea. And I think this man in the arena gives people a peek, just the tip of the iceberg, into actually what goes on in that building. Him predicting what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, him giving a speech after a game, after a win, saying – they did exactly what we thought they were going to do, right? That I've, I don't think I've – every speech after a game is like, you know, we had to take some and we had to adjust a little bit and we did that and it was great effort in all three phases and we appreciate that. Him basically saying, he did exactly what we thought they were going to do. Great job. All right, let's move on to next week. It is so hilarious to me. Like, that is a very funny – it seems like he actually does, though, know what's about to happen in games. It's unbelievable, and I've said this before to many people. If you were able to tape his Sunday, okay, they're playing the, the Colts on Saturday after Saturday night. So on on Saturday, on Friday night uh, in Indianapolis, there'll be a staff meeting, and he'll bring the staff in, and he'll tell the staff exactly how the game's going to go. <laughs> and how the game he wants the game to go and how he thinks it's going to go and what adjustments need to occur during the game. And I, I, and he's never wrong. I mean, one time I'm sitting next to Nick Saban. We're getting ready to play Philly in 1994, and Philly's good. We're both six and two teams. And he's telling us this game could be over at halftime. And Nick and I looked at each other and said, what is he talking about? Like, what are we talking? And it was over at halftime. He was right. <laughs> well, hold on. Is it always negative or always positive? He, he's just very matter of fact because everybody. Matter talk- of fact, it's never in a negative. Look, here's what we got to do to win this game. Make sure the players understand it. Keep reinforcing it. I think that one of the great scenes of Belichick is at that Rams Super Bowl when he walks over to Flores and he walks over to Bro- uh, Brendan Donovan and he says, look, guys, there's probably 12 more plays left to go in the game. Let's make sure everybody knows the calls, understand what we're doing and go from there like he sees the game in sections like i said before he understands that you know you've got to be able to play the first quarter as adjustments the second and third as a game and then the fourth as a standalone so but he's constantly thinking about the adjustments and how he's going to make what he practiced work will he ever stop you think no way huh I think Mac has given him all life. I mean, you know, I think in talking to him up there, they're enthusiastic about having a quarterback. Because, look, that's half the battle in the National Football League. When you don't have one, you got to try to find one. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was all incredible. It's good to know that we have a goddamn fortune teller as a head coach. But, uh, Lombardi, what does he do during the bye week? Because his record coming off a bye is pretty incredible. Does he just go back into the lab and kind of watch, like, the last 25 years of Indianapolis Colts tape? Or, like, what does he do? 
And he goes back and studies himself. I mean, they basically work on themselves. Like, what do we need to improve on? Like, what must we get better at? How do we handle this? What are we going to do in this situation? Situational football and internal scouting are what's going on in the bye week. How do we prepare? And then he's going to study the Colts, but he's only going to study the Colts against games that he feels like runs a defense similar to what he would do. He'll watch the Super Bowl. Frank Wright called that game in the Super Bowl. He'll go back and watch other games that run a similar, if the Colts play the Giants or Miami. Miami. He'll go back and watch those tapes, how they matched up, what they did. And then one thing you do, I mean, if you're Chris Ballard and you're Frank Wright after the game, he's going to tell you what he thinks of your team. Once you understand what his game plan is, he's basically declared what he thinks to your team. Oh, this you is know? who's good. This is who's good on your squad. This is what you don't do well. This right. is what we thought we should attack. And by the way, here's just a little, here's some advice if you want it. It's on you. It's not on me. I just want to let you know this. Like, for instance, when he started doubling TY, that was a big deal. Like, in uh, for TY, I think. Like, TY in our offense. Like, TY, he hated it because he was kind of getting taken out of a game. But I know deep down, TY was like, okay, Belichick thinks, like, I am worthy of yeah. a safety over top. Like, that's a huge deal. Not just Bill, by the way. A lot of people do this. But I'm excited to see what comes of Saturday night. Go ahead, Ty. Michael, you've talked uh, for the last several weeks on the GM Shuffle about how Rodgers is the MVP. And I, I think you're right. Whether or not he wins it is, you know, a different discussion. But do you think the Packers are better off this year than they were last year? And is Rodgers good enough to basically overcome how shitty their special teams unit is? Well, I mean, I think they're just not as healthy as they were last year, right? So I, I think that's a concern. But, you know, that offensive line, I mean, he covers up for that too. I mean, the two tackles last week, he's got Dennis Kelly over there playing right tackle, and, and he's got some rookie playing left tackle. And, of course, LaFleur, he doesn't give any help to either one of them, you know. He just figures Rodgers will make a throw, you know. Who's chipping on who, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, early in that game, Robert Quinn was about ready to, to destroy the game. He was going to set the sack leader in the first quarter. He was coming after him so bad. So. So he covers up so many sins. I mean, it's ridiculous how he does it. It's unbelievable. The throw he made, I text you, Pat, after he made that throw. There's only three people on planet Earth that could make that throw. Like, it was unbelievable. And everything he does, it, it, just the little things. In the second half, when he takes the play clock all the way down, he knows the opponents, not the no longer the Bears. It's the clock. I mean, he does things that that most great coaches have to tell you to do, and he does them instinctively. So I think they're going to be hard to play. I think defensively, Kenny Clark went on COVID today. I think that's going to be an issue. But, I mean, he can overcome everything. I mean, he can overcome everything. I, and, look, I don't want to dismiss LaFleur, but, you know, LaFleur's got, what, an 80% winning percentage? I mean, take away that guy. Take away that guy. Here's what I will predict. He may not win. He should be the MVP of the league. I'll say that. But he will be the first $50 million player in the NFL. Uh, he always acts like he's smarter than everybody, too. Well, he might. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the son of a bitch might be. I mean, is that ever a thought? You know, at some point when somebody said, hey, this guy always feels like he's the smartest person in the room. What if he is? Like, is that ever, ever talked into the conversation? And I'm not saying he should talk down or do anything like that. But when he speaks about the game and when he speaks about why he does stuff, I fucking enjoy it so much. Just like, oh, this guy is so everything is very put to everything is tied together. His football game, whenever he starts speaking about football and he's recalling, oh, I had 22 throws in my first ever game. Or, oh, Farvey hit a mon in this preseason game against uh, Buffalo. And I always thought to myself, man, it'd be cool if I get to my headspace and do that. And then here we are in 2021, week 14, and he's like, oh, when Farvey did, I can do a fucking right now. Like, it is just... <laughs> 
It's unbelievable for him. And we always get yelled at for, you know, complimenting him too much. So I thank you, you for doing it because you come from a very different tree. It's real, dude. The guy is a fucking stud. And he, I, I mean, it's, it's a look, I love Tommy Brady more as much as anybody. And Tom, Tom's had such an incredible season this year, but Tom's got a good team around him now. That offensive line's really good. He doesn't have any injuries. He's got really good receivers around him, you know, and he's got Fournette in the backfield and a defense that's got some liability in the secondary because of injuries. But when you look at, when you look at Rogers, I mean, he's playing with a backup left tackle, you know, waiting for Bakari to come back. The, the right tackle gets hurt last week inside name? players. I mean, you know, and, and he and he makes it all work. He makes it all. He goes into Arizona without anybody, and he beats Arizona there. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's a stud, obviously, and Tom Brady is as well. Go ahead, Tone. Lombo, the, the Chargers are always – you have no idea what, what team is going to show up for them, and then Casey's been two different teams this year. How do you handicap tonight? You know, I, I, I think it's going to be a hard game for the Chargers. I think when you, the, the least amount of points they've allowed all season is 21. I don't think their defense can hold up. I really don't. I mean, even in the Cincinnati game that they won, uh, you know, that if Joe Mixon doesn't fumble, they're going to lose that game. And I love Herbert. I think Herbert's sensational. When you watch the first tape of that game, I mean, they went after the corners of the Chiefs, and they won those matchups. I mean, they went after everybody in the secondary. Now, Steve's not going to play tonight because of personal issues. But to me, you know, those receivers are so good. But Kansas City has been since the second half of the Washington game. They gave up no points in that half. They were losing 13-10. to 10. And then they played Tennessee. They gave up 27, but off of turnovers in the first half. They didn't allow points in the second half. They've been unbelievable. They've given up 11 points a game. I think the Chargers are going to have a hard time scoring against them, and I think the Chiefs will figure out a way to score. The Chargers' defense, to me, is the downfall of their team. Need Mahomes throw a touchdown first half and second half. Go ahead, Major. Uh, Mike, how does that work with Kansas City's defense, yeah. how they can look almost like a different team from, from the – early half in the season to the second. We've seen them do it in the past, I feel like, and now their defense is rolling. They're a very, very scary team. Like, how can you make like a big jump midseason? Well, I think you got to understand Spagnola, right? Spagnola is all about, I'm going to create a negative play. I want to create a negative play. I'm going to do things that are unorthodox. I'm going to take chances. I'm going to be able to, to be confusing to you so you make a mistake. And often what happens early in Spagnola's tenure as, a, as the coach during the season, they make, way, they make the mistakes, not the opponent. And they blow a coverage, and they do. And I think once they kind of got settled down on who they were defensively and they stopped trying to take all these chances and played smart football and assignment football, they got better because that front's good now. You got Frank Clark, you got Chris Jones, who is the MVP for the Chiefs this year. It's not Mahomes, it's Chris Jones. Chris Jones is dynamic. And so they've got Chris Jones inside there, and then they've got Jared Reed, and then their corners are much better than people think. So I think what they did, AJ, is they simplified their scheme. They played more physical up front. They've done a really good job with their defensive line. Daly, the former coach of the Patriots, is a really good coach. And they've kind of got themselves where they're not beating themselves. They're not giving away free access touchdowns. You know, the worst thing you can do as a defensive coach is blow a coverage, and the next thing you know, the guy's running 60 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, because that's that takes the entire everything out of your team, out of the building. It either lights the other stadium on fire or it completely, I mean, it kills you, those over-the-top one. Hey, you can get some yards, but you're not going to gain points on us. I uh, I appreciate you joining us, Paisan. We miss you around here, buddy. Who's going to win yeah, the Super Bowl? Yeah, anytime, my man. You know that. I'm here. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> I think it, I, I, I had Green Bay and Kansas City to start it off with. I'll stay with that right now. I think it's Green Bay's year. I really do. I think the guy's playing at a level above everybody. 
All right, we appreciate you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. <laughs> Michael Lombardi. Yeah. Joining us now is a guy who has been a part of the most successful television show for like, what, it feels like 45 years. Yeah, yeah at least. Every single <laughs> Emmy that they have won has been fucking earned. Ladies and gentlemen, a man who isn't a blueprint because I am nowhere near the human he is, but a trailblazer in the independent thinking sports personality who has dominated television and been amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles Barkley. Yeah! What's up, man? Hey, guy. Hey, listen. Hey, Pat. I want to tell you this. I'm so excited to be on your show today because when I first started in television, before every single show, like my first five years, my producer, Tim Collie, would say, don't fucking curse. That's the only direction he ever gave me. He's a Charles. Because I curse a lot in my everyday life. And to watch your show, I'm excited to be here today. So thanks for having me. Charles, I am so honored that you even know I exist. Like, legitimately. I know you're an incredibly busy man. You've been around a very long time. Everybody holds you in high regards that are in high positions in this world. So I'm pumped that you know I exist. And also... I'm happy we didn't offend you with the fucks, you know, because you guys are able to be incredibly entertaining without swearing. I am not. And I can't, I don't have that filter. You know, I can't do it for whatever reason. Well, let me say this. First of all, I'm never that busy. <laughs> really? I tell people I'm busy because one thing that happens with being in the limelight, people want you to do their shit all the time. <laughs> they, I mean, listen, you get, I'm not even exaggerating, you get, 30 to 40 requests for charity events every week. Everybody's got a golf tournament. Everybody's got a dinner. Everybody want to raffle you off to do something. So I just, so it became, and it's probably like after my fifth year of being in the limelight, I'm like, these people think I ain't got nothing better to do except their crap. <laughs> and I learned like, nah, I'm busy. No, no, but I'm really not that busy because I really just want to play golf all the time and fish. But I, but people really, and listen, everybody charity is important. I want to make that perfectly we agree. clear. We agree, yes. But I can't do it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, agree. I want to have some time to be a normal person and play golf and fish. Isn't it interesting though that if you don't, right? If you don't do something, like let's say you did, because you have to tell them you're busy so that you know they understand that you can't do the event. But if you just said like, hey, I very much appreciate it, but I'm actually got something with my friends and I, they would say you are the worst human of all time. No matter how much philanthropical stuff you've done, you are the worst. Fuck, this guy hates kids. That's what people would say. And you're 100% correct because number one, every job I know does really good stuff most of them do really good stuff in community. Stuff in their community, or they go back to their hometown. But you're getting calls from people all over the country. Now, first of all, you've never met them. And like I say, hey, I understand that charity is important. <laughs> but you're only one person, and I'm not going to work 365 days a year. <laughs> I'm going to do the stuff that I want to do. But, hey, I don't even feel bad about lying anymore. You know what? I just don't have time right now. I got too much stuff going on. And when I say too much stuff going on, that means picking out a golf course that I'm going to yeah. or picking out where I'm going to go fishing. Yeah. All very important. 
By the way, those are very important to the life to be lived that you've had. And uh, any other excuses you come up with, please send them because I'll probably need them here in a few years. You know what I mean? I might get to that point. <laughs> and uh, if you could just feed me some lines, that'd be great. Have you have you gotten close because of the golf and the fish? Have you gotten close to retirement? I think that was being talked about, what, a couple months ago, like you were done with this shit or whatever. Is that true? Is that accurate? Are you Are you in for the long haul? What's going on? Well, I'm 21 years. I think that's the long haul. Whoa, that, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no. I'm saying, you know, are we seeing Chuck on TV for the next 10, 15 years? No, from this point forward. I, I, no, that's, that's not, that's not going to happen. Okay. Hey, I love my job. I love the people I work for. I love the people I work with. But, Pat, I'm 58 years old. I'm smart enough to know that I'm closer to the end than the beginning. And I don't want to drop dead on television. I want to enjoy the back nine of my life. Listen, I love my job. Ernie, Kenny, Shaq, the people I work for, they're awesome. But like I say, I played 16 years. I've been on TV for 21 years. I'm probably going to work till I'm 60. I got two more years left on my deal. But this notion that I'm going to still be going on TV when I'm like 65 years old and 68 and 70, I'm like, that's the stupidest shit I ever heard. <laughs> Mr. Barkley, Chuck, what, can I call you Chuck? Oh, yeah, you can call me Chuck. People, hey, listen, once the late, great Paul Westfall started butchering my name calling me Chuck, now most of America calls me Chuck, so it's always good. Okay, well, I've called you Chuck like three times, and in my head there, I was like, man, I maybe have been disrespecting this dude. Right to no. Why do you think some people stay on TV so long? Is it the attention, you know? You think it's the addiction to the attention, or what do you think it is? Why do you think some guys can't step away? Because there is some people on TV that are, you know, we're like, what, what are we doing on TV still almost, you know, some of the time? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a double-edged sword, to be honest with you, Pat, because I think if it had, it had been your entire career, you can stay longer. Because that that's actually been your job. But somebody for, like, yourself... Me, guys like that, it's our second career. So we're doing it for fun because it's awesome, and we needed something to do. I think that's the main reason. But like I say, the only reason you would keep working to the day you die is because if it's been your entire career. You played in the NFL for a long time. I played in the NBA for a long time. We're just trying to make enough money so we can never pour again at this state and i think we got that covered <laughs> hey good for us man hey it just happened for me yeah. you know what i mean good for us man if you want to put that high five yeah 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 yeah. okay hey, good for us man um hey we're gonna call you back our connection just got kind of weak we'll call you right back uh we appreciate you chuck the uh this is getting good yeah oh yeah hey i like it i like him a lot yeah. he is somebody that is like a uh you know, because there's this thing called the uh, sports personality or something like that, mm-hmm. Emmy. Yeah. And I think Chuck won it like 75 times straight or something like that. And the reason was is because he is not like anybody else. Chuck has the ability to be so many different people on TV. He can say the obvious, but then he can ask a question or give a take that no other motherfucker can give. And then he's hysterical as well. He is a, hey, you, you back, Chuck? Groundbreaker, man. Hey, Chuck. You, hey, there he is. There we go. There he is. Um, okay, so we just talked about the amount of money we wanted to make so we wouldn't be poor anymore. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about what you do for a living, the NBA. The, the game is changing this year. Is that an accurate assessment that Sham Sharania told us after the international, more international-like rules have been instated? And do you like it and have more respect for the game, the way it's been moving? 
Um, you know, it's not the greatest thing for me because I think that they've taken all the physicality out the game. You know, every you know, you notice in the NFL, and Tom Brady said it. It's a lot easier to play football today than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's the same thing with the NBA. Is it better? I I, I don't like using the phrase better. I say it's just different. Okay. Uh, it's a lot easier to play basketball. The the, the problem is, the, and the biggest problem I have with you know, okay, we got the greatest shooter we ever seen, Steph Curry, break the record the other night. The biggest problem we got now, we got a bunch of bombs who are not Steph Curry jacking up threes every single night, just because. I have no idea why. I'm not even going to make up no lie. Listen, I want Steph Curry to shoot threes all night. I want Clay Thompson to shoot three all, all night. But the problem we got, because those guys are such great shooters, bad players are trying to do it. And that's my biggest problem. It ain't, hey, our game, I'm not one of those old get off my lawn guys. Uh, you know, I, I, it's a, I was playing golf with Emmett Smith uh, last week. And I said the way to, and he's all time NFL rusher. Obviously, everybody knows that. But the way the game has happened today, he probably gonna have that record to the end of time. I mean, because we're never gonna go back to run running back playing that long and being that productive. They're not gonna run the ball enough. And like Emmitt's one of the greatest to ever do it. And there's probably other running backs who, if they played the way they played his day and gave him the ball over and over behind that great offensive line, they could do it. But now they're going to throw the ball so much, he probably got a record that's untouchable. Okay, so Chuck, that makes me, you talking about the guys who are like, hey, if I was in that position, I'd be able to do well. In basketball, in the conversation, always, I mean, it's still being talked about every single day in the debate shows i mean they are still doing the jordan lebron every single day every single day it happens and and i don't it's unbelievable that that'll happen until the end of time isn't it two different basketballs like michael jordan and lebron james are playing two different sports right now right and if they were to eat both go to either side like all you legends could have been able to play at any different style of basketball right it shouldn't that be the conversation you think that's the conversation or no well, I think it's weak, personally, to have that debate all the time because they are. I do. I think when you have no talent, you have to make up shit to talk about. Like, are we still talking about Michael? Michael? Michael's been retired thirty years, and uh, LeBron is great. I got a lot of love and respect for LeBron, but first of all, if you're gonna do it like that, you should say he was the best during the era. That, to me, would make more sense than trying to compare. Like, Bill Russell, to me, is like a father to me. He's amazing. Uh, he's been a great father figure for me. But to, 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 to try to compare him to Shaquille O'Neal, who's four inches taller and 100 pounds heavier, <laughs> I don't know if that would be fair. But, but what Bill Russell did... It's probably one of the, you know, win seven championships in a row and have 11 rings. Uh, You know, I mean, that stuff is incredible. But I I just think some of these guys, they uh, they don't have any talent. So when they go on radio or TV, you know you're going to get clicks when you're, like, bringing up Michael against LeBron. 
You know, I, I, I just think it, those guys have no talent, to be honest with you. I think it's just easier for them to go on TV or go on the radio. The radio's the worst. Because, listen, when I was playing um, in Philadelphia from 84 to 92, a lot of those guys were great friends of mine, Pat. We would play golf every day, especially during the summer. And I'd say, well, what are y'all going to talk about on the radio today? And they'd say, well, blah, 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 blah. I says, wait, you don't believe that, do you? He says, Charles, our job is to get these fools to call in for four hours a day and argue with us. We don't have to believe. We don't have to believe half the shit we say. I said, what? They says, you don't understand. This is just this is this is just the business of, of radio. We can what well, our job is to get guys to guys, girls, everybody to call in and argue with me for four hours. And I was like, that's the number one rule I took to television, Pat. You mean to? I never want to say anything on television just to get, like, I'm so old. They didn't have clickbait back in my day. Cloud. But I don't ever want to get on TV for people to say, well, Charles Barkley said this. Let me address that. Because I want it to be factual. And like I say, even when I'm wrong, I'm never going to make up no bullshit. Isn't it nice, too, that you don't have to remember anything then, right? Like, I always think about those people that don't actually believe what they're saying and they're just saying shit to say shit and to troll basically now uh, they they have to remember everything that they said and if they don't they just you get like exposed especially with the internet now it, it's nice when you don't have to remember the bullshit that you said you know chuck yeah but i think the main thing is there are no consequences oh yeah you're right there are zero consequences like i always laugh when these guys pick like uh you know everybody know i hate skill bayless because i think he's the king of I'm just gonna say shit so people will say <laughs> they they gonna go crazy on me. All right, uh, I, but for me, what drives me crazy is like he'll miss nine out of ten games, and then he'll brag about the one upset he got right <laughs> out of those ten games. Like I told you, those that team was gonna upset. I was like, yo man, you missed the other nine games. <laughs> but I hate guys. I hate guys who do that on television. Who they are wrong all the time. But when they get one wrong, they go crazy bragging about it. That right, shit yeah. drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, sports entertainment is a very interesting thing, you know, especially with the amount of hours that people got to fill, the amount of platforms now, Chuck. I assume that although you guys, TNT, you love TNT. I mean, you're doing that golf shit with Bleacher Report because TNT and Bleacher Report have a relationship and like dabbling. Do you ever think about dabbling more on the internet? I know you don't really do it much, but never. You, you are never, beloved I, on I, there, never, Chuck. Hey, hey, Pat, never going on the internet. Chuck! Never going to, never going to, no, because two things. Number one, once you're successful, I see. I always say, being successful is like being the homecoming queen. All the ugly bitches hate you. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, that's the truth of the matter. When you're successful, you're going to have built-in enemies. And then the more successful you become, the more enemies come at you. So I don't want to give them access to me. Because I'm not that guy. If you say something mean to me, I got to say something mean back to you. When I was younger, I used to fight all the time. I'm too old to fight now. But I can still verbalize some insult. Yes. And like, if I let's say if, if I'm out drinking, because people know I like to drink. What do you drink? If I'm drunk, if, uh, uh huh? What do you drink? 
a vodka. I own a vodka company called Redmond Vodka. I'm a, hey, mm. you have your people send me some. I'm going to send you some Redmond Vodka and Vulcan Gin. I, it's, I bought a distillery in Alabama about three years ago. Let's go! I'll send you plenty of Redmond and Vulcan. Okay, so and, you, uh, you... I drink I drink vodka and tequila. Those are my two drinks of choice. Okay, so you have a couple let me of little tell you something. Yeah, yeah, If ahead. I'm high on vodka and tequila what? and you insult me, there's a 100% chance. Oh, man, thank you. There we go. Let's go. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you have a couple gins and vodkas and tequilas. Somebody says what? something on Twitter. It's fucking, hey, what? What you say? No, I don't have a, 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 I don't have a, a tequila yet, but that, that thank you for showing that. Uh, I try not to come on show. Oh, he's going to leave as soon as we yeah. get to plug Come on your shows no. if you pump up my shit. But thank <laughs> you, brother. I appreciate you showing that. Nah, no problem at all, dude. Honestly. No, but but uh, if, if I'm drinking my vodka or some tequila and you insult me, there's a 100% chance I'm going to say some shit back at you. <laughs> and the problem with being famous, Pat, and I don't like calling myself famous, but you this are, is what yeah. it is. Yeah, People years. can say anything they want to to me and nobody gives a shit. But the first time I go crazy on their ass... Yeah. I'm going to get crushed. Yeah, you're not classy. You're not professional, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be a So gentleman. I choose not to let people have access to me in that situation. Uh, so I cut that out. I don't, uh, and hey, I, people say all the time, hey, I follow you on Twitter. I say, yo, that's not me. <laughs> I, I don't have, I don't even know what the hell a burner account is. I wouldn't even go through the hassle. I mean, I, I'm the least electronic person in the world. Say that, but it's true. Uh, I respect that so much, mostly because my Twitter come up when I was a uh, punter in Indianapolis, I enjoyed it. Because as a punter, you can't talk a lot of shit, Chuck, you know, and I enjoyed talking shit in other sports. As a punter, you can't really, you know, but on Twitter, you know, some bum who sends me something, I can go back through his tweets and I can bury him, you know, so I actually kind of enjoyed that entire thing. And now you can mute people. Oh, Chuck. If you ever think about it, you'd absolutely love it. You'd crush it. But let's go back to that role model conversation. Wasn't that that was you, right? I'm not the role model. Mm -hmm. Do you not feel yes. now though that you are like in, in role model? I think has a interesting way to look at this. But I think for like a lot of people that want to get into TV, that are athletes and maybe aren't the exact cut uh, that is normally allowed on TV. Like you're a role model to me, man. You ever think about that? Well, yeah. well, Pat, thank you for that. That those kind words. Listen, man. Uh, I just tell the guys. First of all, it's very difficult job because the number one thing you're going to have to do, you're going to have to criticize players. And if you don't criticize players when they deserve to be criticized, you're not going to last long on television because you're not doing the game for your teammates. You're not doing the game for your friends. You're doing the game for the people watching. Hmm. Yeah. So I want to always honor and respect them. So I'm never going to lie on television. So my thing is when I tell guys, yo, man, you say you want to do it, you got to be honest. You got to be fair. If a guy's playing great, just say he's playing great. If a guy's not playing great, you got to tell the truth. That don't mean you don't like him. That don't mean you think he's a great player. He's just having a bad game. And, you know, I, I do notice one thing that sucks about our profession, Pat. When I give guys compliment, they never fucking call me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. I, I, you know, Kobe Bryant, who I love and rest in peace. You know, I used to say I said for like three or four years, five years, he was the best basketball player in the world. The one night, 
against the Phoenix Suns when he didn't take any shots in the game in the second half. And I went up. We had that game on TNT. And I went off on him after the game saying, Kobe, I've always liked you, but what you did tonight was bogus. You didn't take a shot in the second half. You were trying to prove a point. You didn't have any help. He called me from 1 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the morning cursing me out like a dog. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. and I was like, and the thing was bad about it, Pat, it was all in text. We going back and forth. I said, yo, man, would you please call me? Would you please call me? You mother of a Oh, my God. He called me every name in the book. Obviously, we passed things up. and But I say, even uh, LeBron has wanted me a couple times. And I always say what a great person he is. I admire him as a person. He's one of the five or six best basketball players I've ever seen. I've said some things about him, and he went off on me. But I always laugh. I says, these dudes never call me when I talk about how great they are. It's amazing, when yeah. I, but, but when I criticize them one time, they call me and tell me I'm the worst SOB in the world. Well, that's so because I learned I have to just deal with it. Yeah, well, that's because you just became a motivator, right? Like that's that's the only reason why they don't hear the compliments, right? They don't hear that. All of a sudden, you become the person, you know, like MJ in the uh, restaurant when the mm -hmm. Utah Jazz coach walked in, George Carl, and yeah. said, "Hey, how are you doing, man? Hope everything's good." And that's all I fucking needed. That guy, yeah. that guy said I wasn't going to win. You know, like you become that whenever you say the like all the good stuff means nothing for that one chip. That just got added on the shoulder. So, I mean, good for you becoming the guy that everybody still loves and respects and at least reaches out to you as opposed to just cancels you. Let's talk about the team that you have. Because you, Kenny, Ernie, and Shaq. Shaq and you, one of the greatest duos on TV going. Uh, but do you all have that mindset, you think? And is that why the show has been so successful? Because it's like, hey, we all have to tell the truth. Everybody's on the same page there. Well, we, we, we pride ourselves on that, but I think the biggest difference, Pat, okay, I think people don't understand. We're on from 7 to 2 in the morning, and we try to reach a happy medium, basketball and fun. That's really the key. Listen, as much as I love basketball, I don't want to talk about basketball from 7 o'clock to 2 in the morning. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. I mean, it, that, that just sucks. And it, and you know what really sucks when you have two shitty games. Oh, yeah. it, like it is the longest night in the world. So with the crew we have and behind the scenes, we're scrambling to make things fun. First of all, we always hope we get two good games. That happens sometimes. Some most of the time you get one good game, one shitty game. So we figured out, like I say, when we got. We, like I say, if we got two good games, it's an easy night at work. But when we don't have good games, we figured out how can we make people laugh and have a good time. That's really the key. A vibe is very important. And let's ask you about a couple basketball things real quick uh, because I'd be an idiot not to, especially with your massive brain. LeBron James, Austin Reeves. A.D., Russell Westbrook, are they turning this thing around? Is Reeves the hot hand? Are they going to be in the end? I heard Shaq say, you know, he's happy they're changing the name because Staples Center was he and Kobe. This team stinks currently. Okay, they can get their own with that whole thing. Is that because it's uh, L.A. and LeBron, or is it really problematic what's going on over there, you think, with how much money they've spent? Well, Shaq thinks he owns everything in the world. Let's get that out. He does, though. He does. I, he's selling printers to me the other day, dude. He hey, hey, Shaq thinks he owns everything in the world. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't think this thing going to work in L.A. I don't think you can put 
all those geezers together and think <laughs> it's just going to come together. You know, Pat, you know, sports are a young man's game. And LeBron, the, the most disappointing aspect has been Anthony Davis. <laughs> Excuse me. Jeez, is that AD right there? Just gonna... <laughs> no. We thought, I thought, I said the first night of the season, they were talking about Westbrook and Carmelo and all those guys. I'm like, oh, that doesn't matter. If Anthony Davis is not one of the five best basketball players in the world, Anthony Davis is in his prime. He's 27 years old. Every jock who's been great, no, from 25 to 32, that's as good as you can get. Because you come out of college, takes you a while to learn, you get stronger, mentally better also. You normally hit your peak around 25, the start of your peak. And then from 25 to 32, you're like, I'm better than all these other dudes. I'm physically strong enough. I'm mentally prepared. And I thought if Anthony Davis did that, they would be – he could be the best player, one of the five best players, and LeBron could coast, Russ could do his thing, and Carmelo could come off the bench. It has not happened. LeBron has been breaking down, not just this year, the last two or three years, which means age is finally catching up to him. I mean, like I say, old people old people get hurt. That's what happens. <laughs> hey, he and, was, uh, he was... Uh, AD has not held up his end of the bargain, and I think that's been the biggest issue uh, with the Lakers. But to answer your question, no, I don't think it's going to come together. Okay, so if you go around the NBA, the other big story from like somebody who's outside like us, and we can't thank you enough for all this time. I have no idea if you were supposed to be out of here like 10 minutes ago or 20 minutes ago, but I appreciate your time here. The Kyrie Irving, is he getting traded? Is that why he put his shoes back on on the video? Because are they going to make an exemption for him to play? Is he back? I mean, that's one of the the – the premier guys in the NBA, right? Him out this entire season has been kind of bananas to even think about, right? Well, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, it's so much BS out here right now. People, uh, guys were thinking like, oh, maybe Kyrie's coming back. But then it came out that he was just showing his new shoe that's coming out for oh. people to buy before Christmas. Oh, smart. Uh, smart. That's, good marketing. Like, that's good marketing. It's good I marketing. Nev- I never even would have thought about that. <laughs> it's good so marketing. I, I, listen, I don't know what's true. I think everybody should be vaccinated. Everybody should get the booster. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a vaccination guy because I think that people got to, especially black folks, because I think they have to understand that we really need to protect ourselves. They have to understand that they're not going to get the same medical care as rich people. So I, I, I hope I hope they all go out and get the vaccine and the booster. But as far as Kyrie, I listen, that's the interesting thing about, quote-unquote, the Internet. I don't know if he's saying he's coming back or he's trying to promote his new shoe that's just coming out for Christmas. So I wish I could give you <laughs> a, 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 a real answer. I really do, but, and you know, as they say, you know, once you see it on the internet, it's got to be true. Well, that's the, uh-huh. that's the thing, because, and I'm happy you said that about uh, how your stance on, 
you know, vaccinations and everything, the reason why, because obviously Aaron has come on this show and talked about his stance on it, and we automatically get thrown in like, oh, we're pumping that. It's like, no, I want everybody to go ahead and speak how they feel and their truth. And I appreciate you doing that, man. That was a big time message, and I don't even think you knew because you're not really on the internet. You know what I mean? Like, that's not really a, a, a place where you dabble, but you're beloved on there, Chuck. Beloved. Well, no, listen, I, I want to say this. Uh, I, I've watched you and Aaron uh, quite a few times. I really do. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I know we've been trying to get this thing set up, and I'm really glad to do it. I'd be happy to do it again. Hey, as I told you earlier, yeah, you're not. Playing. I'm never busy. I just tell people I'm busy because they got they think I want to do their bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I got plenty of time. I really I'm enjoying this, man. So anytime you want me on again, just let me know. We appreciate you so much. Once we get closer to Christmas and past Christmas, as NBA starts taking over, we we will we will hopefully uh, reconnect. We appreciate you so much. You're a legend, man, ladies and gentlemen, Charles Barkley. Yeah, thank you, dude. So incredibly sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that learning to code might be the easiest way to change your career. That might sound crazy, but I'm being 100% serious. Coding is this word that sounds incredibly difficult, but there is a company now that is ready to teach you how to code in a beautiful, efficient manner, and that can change your career, your trajectory forever. And that's when you learn with Codecademy. Codecademy is the best way to learn code online. They not only teach you the job, ready coping skills, but also help you build unique projects for your portfolio, earn certificates, and even prep for technical interviews. You can get qualified for in-demand jobs in as little as two months. Learn at your own pace and at your own level. Choose what to learn from building websites to analyzing data and everything else you could want. Learn coding languages like Python, SQL, that's SQL, JavaScript, and more. Not sure where to begin? Codecademy me will point you in the right direction get instant feedback your code is tested as soon as you submit it so you always know if you're on the right track or not land your dream job in web development programming computer science data science and tons more it is the wave of the future and you can learn how to code with our friends at code academy join the millions and millions of people learning to code with code academy and see where coding can take you change your life change your job change your future Learn how to code with our friends at Codecademy and get 15% off your Codecademy Pro membership when you go to Codecademy.com and use promo code PAT. That's promo code P-A-T at C-O-D-E-C-A-D-E-M-Y.com to get 15% off your Codecademy Pro. The best way to learn code, Codecademy.com, promo code PAT. Let's get back to the show. Joining us now is a man who is a college coach for a long time then went into the NFL and became a smashing success with his players, respected by everybody that has ever played for him, been around, been there, done that, been a head coach, was my head coach, very lucky to have him each week on, and hopefully the internet is good. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Chuck Pagano. Yeah, What's up, guys? Coach. Yeah, I... Uh... Yeah. I sent a big guy with a nose on the side of his face like this over to my IT guy. <laughs> guy we just spent a bunch. Of <laughs> so I said, "Look, right. no gobble ghoul. This thing goes out again." <laughs> 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 
Uh, well, we're thankful that you were able to make some time on this beautiful Thursday to chit-chat. Let's talk about the Urban Meyer situation. AJ and I, our biggest takeaway from this is how do you even get to the point between head coach and kicker who's been around a while and successful for a while where if he does kick him in the middle of a stretch session, the kicker thinks it is a combative move, like combative, like, hey, this is not like us being friends. How does that even happen? There just has to be a long list of disrespect that happens there. Lambeau said that he didn't call him by his name. He called him kicker. Like, how do we get to that point in the men's league? And how does the team let it happen? How does Lambeau let it happen? Like, how did we get there, you think, Chuck? Yeah, I think you said it best. I mean, you know, there was obviously no relationship built from day one with sounds like a bunch of people uh, in that organization, staff, uh, coaches, players. I just don't, you know, it seems like it's not in his DNA uh, to be that guy and maybe got away with that, obviously, in college and it was very, very successful. But, like, if I was, if I had a relationship with you, Pat, or had a relationship with Vinny like we had and something like that, I was coming up and just breaking your balls and, hey, you know, hey, how about make a uh, kick today? You missed everything. Yes. Because we had a relationship, there was trust there, there was respect there. It would have never got to the certain point that this this got to, but there was no investment there, and uh, obviously no investment in a, in a lot of people there. And so, uh, I think AJ said it and everybody else said it. This was another opportunity uh, for another guy to to pile on, and it just kind of feels a lot like you know uh, the Gruden situation. You know, as things came out and nothing was done, then something else came out, and then another email, and so this is like okay. Shad's trying to, you know, save face a little bit here. And because Shad ultimately, you know, hired this guy, you know, so you let him go um, in the first season before the regular, before the first season is even done. You know, it looks bad on you. You hired this dude. So he's trying everything to make, to give this guy another opportunity. Uh, but then, you know, this Lambo thing obviously was the, uh, was the last straw, you know, so to speak. And so uh, I just think that, no time spent when I think that's the most critical part when you come into an organization, you come into a new job, is that you spend time and you invest time in building all the relationships, not only with just your players, but the coaches that you hire and you're, you're, you're getting, you're, you're setting your culture, your foundation, all that stuff, but everybody in the building and you treat everybody with respect. I don't know. It's not rocket science. You know, it's, it's not that hard. I look at, you know, how you run your corporation, how you run your business there, as the leader of that path, you you have empathy. You you understand. You get this as a leader. You understand servant leadership, and servant leadership is is you're there to help AJ and and Ty and Connor and Nick and Zito and and Gumpy and Tone and AJ. You're you're there. Oh, you're there to help all those people be the best that they can be. Sorry, you know, every single day. And so, Foxy. Oh, Thank you, Coach. My wife, my wife always told me, she said, don't start naming all the names. You're going to leave somebody out. You know, uh, That's exactly young, right, Tina. Young little, young little McMahon. You know, I know Nick. <laughs> how, 
How's Nick feeling, by the way? Is he doing okay? Uh, Nick, I think, had some symptoms uh, for a few hours. I haven't heard this morning or today, uh, but he and Mitt, Mitt had a different version, I guess. Mitt, <laughs> Mitt was sweating a little bit more and coughing a little bit more. I think Nick had some aches as well. I don't know where they're at right now, but I, I'm sure they're very thankful that you reached out and said uh, well, thought. I, I, hope, I hope they're okay, and I, uh, if I miss some, some guys in the in the – in the room, uh, oh, I apologize, Sorry, certainly, but, uh, oh. but it, it sounds like this Omnicrom's a, a bit like the bit like the Lions, you know, not very good, not very tough. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was quick. That was awesome. Sorry, Chuck, hey, Chuck, you mentioned anyway, relationships. No, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. Your relationships, like, that's 100%. It, it makes so much sense in being a leader, but in players, you hear people say they'll do anything for you if they know how much you care about them. When you're a head coach, if you're a first-time head coach, I guess I could see, like, how do you show the players that you care about them from day one? And obviously you have a ton on your plate. How do you do that and still, like, balance everything else that you're doing trying to run a team? Yeah, I think what you have to do, AJ, is, is there, to me, there's nothing more important than Agreed. building those relationships from day one. And forget all the other uh, stuff that, that's going on. You get your staff in place and, and then – take the ego out of it hire a bunch of really smart dudes that are way smarter than you and way more talented than you in all the different areas and and delegate and let them go do their jobs and and you as the leader uh of that organization and that uh, the face or whatever spend the time where you need to spend it and that's getting to know the aj hawks and the pat mcafee's and sitting down and not not just the football you know let's get to know this human being and what makes him tick and what's important to him and, and ask him, you know, what his goals and his dreams and his aspirations are and, and talk about his family. Are you married? Do you have kids? Where are you from? And invest that time and get to know, get to know these, these people so that, and Dick Vermeil said it best, AJ, you talked about that. He quoted, he made, he uh, said this quote a long time ago is these players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, and so that's real. Oh. So because there's going to there's going to be some adversity. There's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some things. But if there's some trust there and there's some rela uh, relationship there, you know, Pat and I could go and shut my door and sit down at the desk and hash a lot of things out because I think there was a relationship and there was mutual uh, respect there. You know, and if, they, if that's not there, that shit ain't going very good. Could you imagine you're in your head that the punter might be a guy who's going to come in here and give me a little bit of a, uh, hey, this is how people are feeling about something. I, I think about that a lot when my natural reaction for the Lambeau thing was if, if Urban Meyer was calling me kicker or punter, like if he was calling me, me and Vinny, kicker or punter, and we're in however many years we're into our career, Vinatieri obviously, never anything like that. I think Vinny and I at some point would be like, hey, my name's fucking Pat. This is Vinny. We were here before you. We'll probably be here after you. Let's go ahead and, you know, like, you know, there has to be some sort of that somewhere. That that whole situation, I just think back, well, maybe it's because he's a kicker and he just felt like he couldn't do anything. He felt so low. But that should never be a feeling you have within the team. If outside they think that, within the locker room, I don't know. That was just a very interesting thing for me. It was very, very interesting, Chuck. No, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get that. And um, we all... Uh, were brought up uh, in this profession, uh, maybe a different way, saw uh, different ways to do things. Obviously, like you guys said a thousand times over, winning, you know, cures a lot of things. And when you win, you tend to be able to get away with get away with more, maybe. 
And so obviously, you know, at the college level, you know, Urban's been able maybe to maybe all this stuff, you know, there, there was red flags, there was stuff, there's things, there's this, there's that. I'm not uh, I'm not here, obviously, to judge all that. But there was a certain way that, you know, he probably can, uh, did business and thought, you know, uh, I can I can get away with it. I remember when I first jumped from college to the next. Here we go. That's what I was about to ask. In, in Cleveland, you so, know, yeah. when I went to the went to the Browns, you know, there was a learning curve for myself. I'll be I'll be quite honest with you. And, and the players taught me, and I I had to listen. And and it is a the men's league, and you're you are dealing with with grown men and 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 people that um, you know have wives and have children and and smart dudes. You know that you just can't. You know, however you maybe did things, you know, at the college level or talk to guys or coach, there was a there was a learning curve there. And, and I, I learned a ton, not only from the players, but also, you know, from the assistant coaches that had been in the league that that I was working with. And and, you know, again, the relationships are huge, but the way you um, you have conversations, the way you talk, the way you teach, the way you coach and especially, you know, you come after a dude in front of his peers oh. again i that relationship better be very very strong you know it better be rock solid <laughs> if you come after a dude in front of his peers because you may still get nose to nose you know and there may be some uh, you know some words there probably no blows uh but if there is no trust and no relationship there uh, you know you're gonna get your ass kicked <laughs> I, a grown-ass man's gonna jump all up I'm serious. They'll come after you. There'll be people pulling that thing apart. That's what me, AJ, AJ, and I mean, AJ said, isn't it if somebody kicks you and you think it's in a combative fashion, isn't your immediate response to punch the person? And I was like, I think it would, it would have, if you thought it was combative, but I think even getting to that point, we got to call you back, Chuck, on our end, little uh, tech thing in your voice there. We'll call you back. His, uh, the, the, the take on him going from college to the NFL and saying, like, hey, the players taught me, like, hey, the, the things are going to, this isn't real. Because the, I think ultimately it revolves around, and Lombardi kind of uh, hinted at it, but I think it's real. The football IQ level of guys in the NFL, you can't, like, in high school, the coach is the smartest person on earth, teaching you fundamentals, knows football better than you do, don't ask any questions. College, not only does this person know football better than you, they also control you know, whether or not you're going to continue to go to school there, what your future looks like. They're the one talking to anybody, whether you can make it into the NFL, everything like that. They're smarter than you are. In the NFL, as guys grow older, it's like, okay, I've been around NFL, I've been around football like 20 years as well. Like my, I, I, I have my own thoughts, my own successes. I would like to be heard and listened to, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because this is a natural thing to happen when it's your profession. If I'm better at something, I would like to be heard. And that is something that I think is probably tough for some of these guys aj well yeah i mean it's it's just how how it all works like a, a coach you have to have trust there's got to be mutual respect between the two as well like it's normal as chuck said getting face to face with coaches like that happens at times like you're going back and forth a disagreement a lot of times in the sideline of games that would happen we talk about luke fickle and bobby and schlegs and myself talking about it they, during games, like there would be massive blowups at times with Luke, and after the game, we're hugging and laughing about it. He's like, "Ah, you know, I lost it." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I did too. Sorry, man." Yeah, but Glad by, we got the win. By the way, <laughs> those get shown on TV, and everybody's like, "Oh, there's dissension among the ranks." But I think a lot of other NFL people are like, "No, that happens whenever two people who are very smart at what they do, who prepare a lot of time together, know a lot of things, have a disagreement when bullets are flying." 
you know, and then yeah. that's how something they call Billy O'Brien, Billy Teapot, joining us yeah. back here, <laughs> Chuck Pagano. We're talking about how sometimes coaches and players in the NFL will get into it. We see it on the sideline. It happens in practice. It happens in meeting rooms. It's much, it's much more common than people think, I think, outside. But whenever you're not having that, that means it's just total despise. Uh, like, I'm not even wasting my fucking time with this person. Like, I think that is also a telling thing about the culture that was built, Chuck. Yeah, if it's if it's so bad for so long over a long period of time, then say it's a an offensive room or a defensive room, just the coaches, then guys will give up and say, "Fuck, it ain't even worth you know yeah. bringing up any topics anymore, questioning anything, uh, offering up ideas on you know the run game, the pass game, third down, etc." They just say, "Hey, all I'm going to do is get a face full of, of this coordinator." And it's going to be, it's going to get really loud. So it, it isn't even worth, you know, the fight anymore, you know. And I think those conversations are critical to to be successful. And again, I think it goes back to, you know, the guy in charge, the D coordinator, the O coordinator. You know, special teams, as you know, is a different dynamic. There's only a couple dudes in there. It's it's Tommy and and Mo and 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 you guys play a, uh, as big a role as as a bunch of assistant coaches in that in that special teams room, but. Um, if those guys that are that are leading that room, that that takes a special dude to make everybody feel like they're being heard, they have a voice, you know, their ideas are being uh, listened to, you know, um, you're going to take into account everybody's deal. But at some point, you know, the coordinator, the head coach, got to make a decision, and you have to move on because you, you're limited time wise. Otherwise, you'd be in there forever. So, but there's a there's a there's a certain you know, um, there's a certain way uh, to handle the, these situations, and and a guy has to be really, really good at at listening to everybody, and then saying, okay, at the end of the day, you know, this is how we're going to do it. I love all the ideas; these are all great, but I think what's best for our team, what's best to win this game this week, is is this plan right here. You know, but at least the guy feels like, hey, look, these guys, this guy listened to me, listened to our ideas. Our thoughts. Um, he just didn't come out and say, you know, that that might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. In my yeah, life. yeah, yeah. It's it's balancing. I, how in the hell am I going to get in front of the offense or the defense and and actually, you know, uh, try to convince these guys that this is going to work? You know, that just crushes somebody's soul. You know, as a as a position coach or whatever. And and then what's going to happen is it's going to get real quiet. You're going to be the only guy in there running the machine talking communicate and you're gonna t- hey what do you guys think hey i got a quick question about that situation right there because billy o'brien said um that you know tom's very creative and i knew that coaching him if you don't understand that he's creative and gonna have input then you're fucked from the beginning i believe is what billy o'brien said do you have to like is that a part of the learning process where you have to learn each player's personality and then like slot them in how they should be treated because not everybody can be treated the same because you're not going to get uh the same outcome from treating everybody the exact same way now i'm not saying accountability shouldn't be held for everybody but there's different ways to communicate with people is that something you have to figure out earlier and is there anybody in your head that you think to yourself like oh that player if he was not heard it was going to be a problem like he was going to be pissed off yeah, as you as you know, Pat and, and AJ being in the building and in the locker room and in those meetings for so long, not everybody's going to be that guy. The quarterback generally is going to be that guy, and depending on 
uh, the personality uh, of that quarterback. You know, say from an Andrew uh, Luck to like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, maybe Andrew was headed that way, you know, as, as a leader and, and more of a, you know, if those guys, you better know what you're talking about, number one. Because if you walk in there and you start, you know, trying to, you know, sell uh, a bunch of BS uh, to you guys, to these players, they're going to know right now. So number one, you better know what the frick you're talking about. And then number, number two, you know, to not listen to your players and not talk to your players who are playing this game at the speed and, and, and level uh, of and, and how things are happening on the field is to me is like just foolish uh, as a football coach and as a leader. You know, you guys, I always like D Butts, like D Butts is a guy like, you know, we wore D Butts out because D Butts knew the game inside and out. Now, he didn't when he first got in the league, wasn't at that point, but what he grew into was uh, was a coach on the field, a coach in the meeting room that you could always go to, you know, a D-butts and say, hey, how would you defend this bunch route right here? We're in this coverage. We've been going back and forth on it. What do you think? How do you see it? Blah, 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 blah. And it made all the sense in the world. You know, this guy does this, this guy does that. And if he does this, this guy adjusts here. We banjo this. If this guy, if one stays one, you know, and the point man's locked on the on number two, then the inside guy has to lock number three. And it was like, okay, nah, we're, not, we're, not, we're not paying you enough. Because we need to get you, get you a raise. But, you know, and, and Tom Brady, uh, Andrew, Peyton Manning, we all know who the guys are, you know, in those buildings. You know, Pat, you and you and Vinny, I mean, you guys know the game. You know situational football, yeah. you know, and you knew when I was up there probably stumbling around and like, oh, shit, coach is struggling a little bit with this, <laughs> with this, with this rule. I don't know if he could. Because the more you, you try to bullshit around it, I mean, the worse it gets. Oh, yeah. So I, I was early on, you just got to say, hey, look, guy asked you a question, and I always told the young coaches and guys under me that I was trying to help develop was like, if you don't know the answer, just say, hey, I don't know the answer to that. But I'm going to find out, and I'm going to get back to you ASAP with that answer. And as a player... Chuck, how are you able to do it? Sorry to cut you off. How are you able to do that? I've said that to huh? Pat before. Pat, I've said this to you. How are you able to actually remove your ego or do that? Because I've mentioned, I've told a lot of people this. When you think of people that you probably dislike the most, if you really think about it, you're like, you know what? That person's never asked me a question. They've never said, like, oh, what do you think? Or how do you feel? And I, I, find, like, I pay attention to that. How do you get that as a as a coach when like you've been around players forever to where you do go to them and say, you know what, hey, we're, this is a collaborative effort. We're a team. We're all fighting for the same goal to where you will actually ask for their input and then you'll actually use it. Yeah, that's that's just something, AJ, that like when you first start out and, and we have our first team meeting, you know, at Indy or, or you know, wherever you're at as the as the head coach and you say, okay, this is this is our identity. All right. This is our culture. This is our process. This is how we're going to roll. And you put up your trust, loyalty, respect, this, that, and the other. And, and we're going to ask for if you never If you never do that, like you're done. You know, they're going to say, well, this guy's just putting a bunch of cliches up on the wall, a bunch of sayings, a bunch of quotes, a bunch of BS if you never do that. And then humility. You, you got you to gotta be humble and you got to have no ego in this thing. You know, too many people, you know, uh, in business and in, in sports, they all want to be the reason 
we win mm. instead of just be a reason. You know what I mean? And and that's where you get sideways is because you think, okay, I got to be the reason that that we win and we're successful. And and to me, I don't I don't I don't understand that. So I think you you got to humble yourself and you got to be willing to say, hey, look, I don't have all the answers. And again, go out and, and surround yourself with really smart coaches, really smart players. You know, again, that you look at Bel- Belichick, and I respect him so much for that because. In the past, however, two decades, two decades and a half, have you ever heard of any this BS come out of New England? No, 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 no. Anything. Yeah, yeah. Even players that, like, veteran guys, he grabs for a year, gets freaking monster seasons out of them, then he moves on. You know, you don't hear, there may be a little whisper here or there. I don't know, but I never, you never hear of any BS coming out of Well, they cheat. Well, they no. cheat. That's the thing. They yeah, cheat. Well, That's all they do is they cheat. That's all they do is they cheat. There's no, there's no, there's no he said, she said. There's, there's no BS because right. the standard. You know, Bill, Bill knows the game inside and out. He, he's got a small circle. He keeps that thing tight, you know, and he, he's got a process obviously that's second to none, and he doesn't deviate from that, and he just keeps reteaching that, that simple culture up there is do your job. So when guys come in there, it's it's really simple, you know. Hey, we may not hug, dap it up. I got a feeling that he's got a big heart inside of him. He comes off that. a certain way, but I still feel like, yeah. you know, there's there's a big heart because I see those after those championships and things like that. You know, that hug out him and Stevie when when they called that blitz at the end of the game a oh, couple yeah. weeks ago. Him, him and Steve and that hug between father and son that was cool. You know, he's got that to him, but. That, that, that's special. And so, you know, the long and short of it, uh, you know, when you go in and, and you build uh, your foundation and your culture and you get guys to echo that throughout your building, your assistants, the staff, this, that, and the other, you got to live that every single day. I think, like, leadership, the hardest thing, the gold standard of leadership is being able to hold your peers accountable and do it every single day. You know, and, and like Pat, hold me accountable. I hold Pat accountable. It goes coach to coach, coach to player, player to coach, locker room to locker room. That's when, when you have that going on and then nobody gets sideways over it and everybody understands how to do that, man, it, it becomes something. And then you win, man, it comes it's something really special and, and hard for anybody to, to beat you. I agree completely. And the standard being set up there in New England is unbelievable for how long the culture is. I remember that first training camp when you came in. Uh, you know, and there was the whole, you know, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do. And you had no idea who I was yet at that point, right? You you had no idea who I was. You maybe saw on Twitter, you had heard about who I was. But there was times during punt periods where you were out on the field right next to me for entire punt periods. And we would talk in between reps and everything like that. And the amount of things that you said, and we had those conversations, I think they were like a great baseline for like, oh, this guy wants me to succeed. Like that, I think I, you like earned my trust, I think, through those small little brief interactions because with how many people there is to do it I think just you know especially as the head ball coach I think those moments are where you earn that trust and I think you did it incredibly by the way I think that's why you hear a lot of people say like they love playing for old uh, Chuck Pagano you know what I mean I think they love playing for you man well, I appreciate it. I was scared to death of you, by the way, Pat. To be honest with you, you know that. Me? How come? How come? Uh, remember our first meeting, Pat? Oh, yeah. 
I want to kick, I said. I would like to kick some field goals. The last crew, the last crew. Did I, did I already tell this story? No. I'm losing my mind. Ah, uh, maybe. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. We were going through the facilities. Mr. Ursay said, hey, look at, look at the facility, see what we need, do better, change, weight room, training room, all that stuff, you know. So we were through the train, came in the weight room, and you came up, introduced yourself. Hey, I'm Pat Mackey. You know, I'm, I'm the punter, kickoff guy, but I want to I want to battle. I want to have an opportunity, uh, you know, to be the kicker here too. I know we got Adam Benatari, but I think I'm better than better. No, than no, 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 no. That might have been. I just want to know that if ain't true. I, guys, I haven't even met Pat yet, and I'm just like, all right, Pat. Great, great to meet you. Um, I got a lot on my plate right now, you know, and uh, we're gonna go through and, and see if we need a you know a couple new bench presses and a couple new squat racks, <laughs> be a new hot tub. Oh, and, awesome. and things like that, and then we'll we'll, we'll get back to the, the kicking deal. But that that was classic. No, so what happened? With, and I appreciate that. That is how it sounded. I wanted to be able to kick in practice. I wanted to be able to like actually kick because the last regime they had me kick one ball on Wednesday. It was after I held for Vinatieri through an entire thing, and it would be a sixty-five or a seventy-yard field goal. And they're like, "Ah, we're letting you kick," you know, like we're seeing how it goes or whatever. I'm like, "Can you please let me fucking kick?" Because I thought there was still a chance. I was going into my contract year, especially with everything that I've learned from Vinny. I thought I was still going to maybe be able to go somewhere and do both at that point because how young I was and how fresh my leg was, and I wasn't getting a chance to kick it all. And I'm like, "Hey, will you fucking let me kick?" And you were so nice by the way you did, i kicked two times a week i think honestly i became the best kicker i'd ever become uh i was very thankful you let me kick in some preseason games and i was like very very thankful for what you allowed me to do and then uh i got to a point in my age uh where i was like yeah my leg very tired right now yeah. I, I do yeah. not want to fucking do that anymore I, you were always you were always very straight with me and i'm very you know, very thankful for that. I think that is a massive ordeal in this entire thing, you know, and that is whenever I heard Urban got laughed out of those meetings after the, uh, the, the chop house incident, it was like, oh, he's lost everybody. Like, they're never going to take him serious anymore. You know, like that is it's just over. That's a real thing. It's fine. A fine line. You have to hold it sacred. And I think you did, Chuck. You're amazing. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Chuck. Michael Lombardi was just telling us that after the game, sometimes Belichick would tell the opposing coach or GM, you know, what they were attacking and what they were looking for from the other team. Did you ever have any of those conversations from him? And did you guys ever, like, change your game plan going forward because he kind of let you into what he was seeing? Well, hey, Connor, if you look at my record versus Billy, it's obviously you, you <laughs> sum that up for yourself and know they never shared shit with me. <laughs> uh, no, no I, I think, you know, those conversations, I didn't have a relationship like a lot of guys, you know, probably had with Coach Belichick. You know, he was always kind of handshake, hey, you know, nice try. We kicked your ass again. I'm just kidding. You know, he was always gracious that way. And, you know, um, you could just tell from his press conference, again, he's very stoic, matter of fact, but he would, he would just kind of detail out in his press conference, you know, how the game went and why it went that way. And that told the tale of the tape. And I think we all know, you know, the rest of the story now, um, you know, and it's, and it's, it's genius, but it's not. It's just common sense. Like, you know, John Taylor is going to have a, a rough go on, on Saturday. <laughs> you know, unless, you know, because they'll come up with some great blocking, some scheme runs, Frank and the staff will for, for Jonathan, but he's not going to let that dude wreck the game, right? He's, he's not, he's not going to let him wreck the game. Just like when T.Y. became a dude, 
you know, T.Y. was not catching any footballs. How come everybody doesn't do that? Why doesn't everybody just do that? Why why doesn't everybody do it? Is it because the players being able to adapt to different schemes and strategies, or what do you think it is? I don't know. Hard hard headed, I I guess. But because we always, you know, we we would try. You know, we would would try. You know, we'd say, remember, we put up. Okay, these are the game game records. records, Yeah. Offense, defense, special teams. This is where they excel at. This is what we have to do really good to win this game and, and all those kind of things. And sometimes it worked out, you know, especially when Andrew was healthy. Uh, and other times, you know, it, 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 didn't, it didn't go our way, you know. But, but we tried, and I think other people, other people tried. But that's the, that's the genius, you know, of, of Coach Belichick, you know, is, in, um, is the ability – you know, to just do that week in and week out. And he's done it for so long that, you know, as players, because a lot of times you have a system in, you know, uh, offense and defense and, and special teams. And, and, like, a lot of people don't like to, like, change that every single week or can't do that, can't handle it from a mental standpoint, maybe a physical standpoint. You don't have the players to, uh, with the skill set and flexibility, position flex to be able to do some of the things. Um, week in and week out to, to you know, maneuver from a, uh, an over front uh, to an uh, under front to an, uh, a bare front, et cetera, on defense and do all these different things to, to give an offense a, a wrinkle and, and a new look and, and defend what they do best and, and take that away. So I think there's a bunch of things that, that go into that. And obviously um, they, they figured out uh, that uh, a long time ago and still, still do that. Lombardi. You know, I don't know if you've ever talked. I I need you to um, maybe share a cell with me, Pat. When when we get done. Oh, today. I just thought you Italians all just had yeah. a group text. Mm-hmm. I've lost lost contact. You know, he was in Oakland when I was there in 05 and 06. and uh, I love Mike, and we we had some some great conversations. And Norv Turner hired me and got me on, and then Norv got fired, and I didn't have a contract because I was coming from Cleveland, and, and Mike came and, and gave me a contract. Uh, through Mr. Davis, um, and so uh, got a, a lot of good time with Mike, and I think Mike's a brilliant. He's he's a brilliant son of a gun, as you guys know. Just listening to him and talking talking football with him, and the whole the whole thing, you know, from from personnel uh, to strategies and O's, yeah, to every A to Z, A to Z, like like the arrow, you know, on the Amazon truck, A to Z. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got it all covered. He's he's a good dude, but. Um, and Mark Davis, you know, when I was there, I know you're talking about Mark. Yeah, he's awesome. He, he supported that dude for a long time. He's you got to get him on, and maybe I can help. You know, with the, you guys oh, would love. Him. Yes, he is. He is, yes. a, he, is a, he is a fantastic, really fun-loving dude. Oh, you know, he wasn't heavily involved when I was there. You know, he'd show up on game days. You know, because pops was still around, but he was there, and we used to. Tina and I lived out in San Ramon. And he had a spot up in Danville, Italian place, and his own booth, you know, one of those story deals. And so we would go up there on date nights on Fridays and stuff. And I never, I don't think, maybe ran into him one time, but no. But um, he hung out and, and ate at that, this Italian place up there. But he was, he's he a great, he's a great dude. He is, he is a really, really fun dude and a smart dude. And um, 
Uh, yeah, he doesn't. He obviously doesn't give a shit what anybody <laughs> <laughs> no, about, about that that Caesar that Caesar cut. <laughs> uh, Fryer he's, cut. I he's still the best. Though you, if you had him on, you would love a conversation with him. Be a good convo. As are you, sir. And we can't thank you enough for adjusting with our technology and maybe your technology. And sorry to your IT guy who might wake up with a, a horse head in his bed, but we appreciate you so, so much. Can't wait to chat with you next Wednesday, sir. Love you guys. Hey, congrats, uh, by the way, too. I, I sent you a text and, and congrats to all the boys on. And again, I if you told me once, Pat, you told me a uh, hundred times and I'm probably one of those guys that told you that, you know, I think you're crazy. You can kick in this league for, for 20 years. And But if Pat didn't tell me once, guys, he told me a hundred times that this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to, and, and these are my goals. These are my dreams, my aspirations. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be really freaking big in, in this industry, in this business. And I just, I tip, I tip my hat to you because you had a vision. You set a goal. You know, and you're a really, really bright guy, and I know you're a great leader, a servant leader, and I know those guys love, because the whole thing is, I don't think there's a day, I, when I started to wake up and dreading going to work, that's when I knew it was time for me to retire. Yeah. You know, and I can only imagine, you know, like I wake up on Wednesdays and I'm like, so freaking juiced up and fired up, because oh, I know I got this little window to be a part of, of something really, really special. And I know AJ and the boys, everybody there, that you guys wake up every single day and it's not work. It is absolutely not work. And, and to be able to make that happen, that's because of, of your leadership, oh, you know, man. Pat, and the, the person that you are and then your philanthropic trophic, uh, uh, deal as far as giving the money away and uh, you're going to be one of the great philanthropic dudes. Ever. No, no, no. All right, all right, all right. All right. Well, Chuck, I appreciate you. I'm very lucky for you. I'm very appreciative of you, not only your time each week, but what you did for me as a player and as a human. You're awesome. I appreciate you. I love you. I'm lucky for everybody. Chuck, you definitely a massive part of that as well. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Can't wait to chat with you on Wednesday. For the brand, baby. You look amazing Woo. in that. Tell Tina we said hello. Ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Pagano. Yeah. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your day today. Big shout out to all the guests today. Charles, Ian, Michael, Chuck, AJ, all the boys. Can't thank everybody enough for this incredibly dumb life that I am so lucky to live. Thank you all so much. Hashtag end a pod squad. Go ahead and tweet where you're at, what you're listening to, how you're listening to us. Ty's been giving away free merch to people for months and months. If you lasted this long, you're the best, dude. We're back tomorrow with a feel-good Friday. Al Michaels, Bill Burr, Aaron Jones, A.J. Hawk. Then SmackDown in Chicago. Then Saturday NFL football, Sunday NFL football, overreaction Monday. Life is great. I hope you can concur. Ty, please play some independent music and impel these people into a beautiful. Let's get hot. Super boost. Thursday night football Thursday evening. We'll see you manana.